don't even know where to begin. Uh, welcome back to the David Land Podcast. I believe this is episode 12. At least that's what I titled it. I guess Kyle will have to uh, edit that out if that's incorrect information. But I think I got it right. Episode 12 of the David Land Podcast. The last time we came to you guys, we were <laughs> sitting on the balcony of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Pagoda talking about Graham Rahal getting bumped from the Indy 500. My, my, how things have changed in a month. Uh, Kyle, uh, what have you done the past, you know, month and change? Uh, Well, first, let's just uh, start on... uh, I lost the train of thought there, but... um, (laughs) Off to a rousing start. Oh, okay. Let's just explain why we've kind of been gone. We'll get into that when we talk about what you've been doing. But right. let's just say David was gone for two weeks. Right. And we were supposed to do one after the 500, but the 500 ended. We got back and it was like, uh, no, sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're going to watch the Coke 600 and we're going to sleep. Am I going to give the real, or the real answer to that? I also have the other the other answer is that David was a little grumpy after the Indy 500. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We also the way the 500 ended, we were all just like. I, my i thought about the red flag so much that my you could see smoke coming out of my ears i just like there came a point where i was like i can't think about this anymore because i'm just gonna go crazy but, i should have i should have brought out my joseph newgarden die cast yeah. i i was i was big brain i not only not only bought one of those little 164s a new guards car not for any particular reason but mainly just because it was like new uh and different and i thought it was going to be valuable oh boy it's valuable <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I should have put that on the desk. Oh, well, I didn't think, didn't think about that. But yeah, we yeah. missed after the 500. David was gone for two weeks and then we were going to be back last week and then scheduling sucks. And then here we are. So it's a month later. We're back. I have been the week after the 500. I went to Newcastle for the stars championship for Kurt chaser. And <laughs> so I went from Indiana to home back to Indiana and then the week after that, I went to Utah, which was a lot of fun. I really enjoy Utah. I need to go back to that part of the country on like a vacation because, you know, every day we were there, we'd go out to the mountains for like two, three hours of hiking. Uh, that's something hiking through the mountains is something I learned that I could do and just have a vacation and pack a sandwich and just be out in the mountains for like eight hours. Every every breath of air that you take, you feel like you're just like coming back to life. Like it's just so pure. I, I don't know. That Utah was amazing. And then the week after that, we were in, I believe that would have been uh, USBKS back at Newcastle. Unless I had a week off. I had a week off. Yes. I had a week off. I went to Mid-Ohio for some go-kart racing that weekend. Not working, but went to go see go-kart racing anyways. Uh, and then we were in Newcastle for USBKS. David was there. I was there. I chased He worked geese. for Kart Chaser. He interviewed some geese. Um, Asked them about what they thought about Paul Tracy winning the 2002 Indy 500. Yeah, the geese didn't want to talk. They did want uh, to talk. Yeah, they, they knew something. They, 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 they know, had the tapes. They, know something. they had the receipts. <laughs> and then uh, last weekend, I was at an IndyCar race in Mid Ohio, and David wasn't. So, correct. That that now we're caught up to speed. Well, Not on the news, just on us. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's yeah. We David, what have you over. been doing? Uh, I I went to the 24 Hours of Le Mans. I did that. The day after the Indy 500, two days. Uh, yeah, oh, two days. Well, I mean, let's let's be honest here. Memorial Day. I mean, I don't. Let's let's just talk about 
May for a second. I feel like we need to like tie the bow on this. Mm-hmm. Number one, I just want to give because I I tried to give as much credit to everyone who helped on the channel as I could during the month of May. But I want to say it again, especially because Kyle's here. Uh, Kyle did an exceptional job uh, working with us in the month of May. Uh, he actually was the person who not only edited those history segments that were so popular, he wrote the first draft of each of those scripts, which was extremely helpful. Um, and and I thought it turned out really well. I thought the whole month of May, I mean, you guys saw the 3D models that, that Joe and Gavin uh, worked on. Um, but just the whole, the whole thing came together and I was really proud of the work that we did. Uh, I thought it was just, when you look, when you look at it and you think about it, I, I gotta be, you know, I don't want to say this too strongly, but you know, I like to pay attention, especially in May because it's such a competitive environment and everybody is putting out their best work. Um, as far as I could tell, at least on YouTube, behind NBC, we were number one for Indy 500 coverage in terms of like engagement, views, um, you know, everything. So that was really gratifying that we were able to get to that level. And, and I mean, we are not on a, I mean, you want to talk about a budget? We are on a shoestring budget doing that. And uh, the workload that the team put together uh, was, I mean, incredible stuff so um now that i've gotten that out of the way the 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 result of that hard of work during the month of may means that everybody is just completely dead on their feet the minute the checkered flag flies for the 500 and we get the last video done and so my genius idea well, it wasn't necessarily my genius idea i was i was the dissenting voice in the group that did go to lamar to do this but Uh, The rest of the group decided that they wanted to also go to Monaco because everyone was going to the 24 Hours of Le Mans uh, on my trip uh, had gone to the Indianapolis 500. So the idea was we were going to do the triple crown of auto racing, although we weren't going to see racing in Monaco. We could at least see the track, uh, you know, in pretty much race configuration. But to do that, we had to fly out the Tuesday after the Indianapolis 500. So we got Memorial Day. Uh, I barely slept because the minute I got to sleep, uh, and and the good news is it was a very nice wake up. I got to go have uh, uh, breakfast with uh, Joe and his dad, but boy, they're early risers in Pennsylvania, and that that doesn't. If you know me, I'm generally not an early riser, especially uh, when I've been sleep deprived for a month. So pretty much went to France on not a lot of sleep. Uh, we did go to Monaco. Um, I will say this Monaco was incredible, by the way, uh, the principality of Monaco is a cool place. There's a museum with all the, the prince's cars, including, I mean, probably more formula one cars than I've seen in one place ever in my life. But, uh, we ate steak and shake in turn one at Monaco. Um, I finally got to try Orangina, which I've heard so many good things about, uh, taking two years of French class in high school, actually got to try it and liked it so much that I have a case of it sitting in my fridge that I brought home from France. Um, but Monaco is awesome. The, the thing that's not awesome, and this is just the American part of me coming out, uh, is, uh, is public transportation. Didn't like the trains, didn't like the buses, didn't like the subways. And, you know, I, I, I got to, when I lived in New Jersey, I got to experience New York City a lot. 
and I didn't like it then, and I don't like it now. But what didn't you like about the trains? Because I've always thought in the U.S. and this is still no matter what you say here, I'm still gonna like okay. kind of disagree with you and continue my point. But I think like trains, like the way that you guys were able to go from Monaco to France, and like just transportation in general in Europe. Like I wish we had that in the U.S. I wish I could just get on a train and go to Indy. You know, it's, like I didn't have to drive four hours. Okay. I wish I could just get on a train and just have a quick little shop at Indy. So that's in concept, it, it works. Um, and actually, the train the train system itself in France is a lot better. I mean, it's it's so much better than the U.S. You can't even believe it. Uh, like they have two hundred mile an hour high speed trains. I mean, yeah. I have gone two hundred miles an hour. I've I've gone two hundred miles an hour twice in my life uh, on the ground. Obviously, we're not talking about planes here. Uh, once was with Mario Andretti in the two seater, and the second time was in an effing train in France. Um, so that's cool. The, the The issue with trains and the issue with traveling long distances on the trains, the, the actual short hop from Nice, where we were staying, to Monaco was not bad. The, the, the problem with the trains there was they were overcrowded. It was standing room only. I mean, we were we were crammed in there like sardines. That was not a fun experience. If the train had been, uh, you know, only the seating, if they only let enough people, you know, every person one per a seat, that would have been great. But that was bad. And then on the longer distance, 200 mile an hour trains, those are great because you get your own seat. But the issue is if you're traveling with luggage, there's not a lot of places for luggage. And if everyone else on the train is traveling with luggage, you no longer have a place to put your luggage. And there were at least two times in our train travels where we had to either sit with our luggage on our laps or have the luggage like in the in the aisle way and just being the worst ugly Americans of all time. I was so <laughs> embarrassed at, at points. Um, but I, I will say this, and I said this in my video, all the all the folks in France uh, were just the most welcoming. I mean, because there's this stereotype. I mean, we've all heard it in the U.S. that that the French don't like Americans. I'm now convinced that's just because all the snot nosed kids going to Paris in eighth grade and seeing nothing else of France and being obnoxious, ugly Americans as you know, little snot nosed 14 year olds who can't speak any French and are rude. Of course, you're going to get a bad experience in France if you actually go, you know, and 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 go in with a good attitude and be genuine and kind. And and if you can speak a little bit of French, it also helps, uh, as I found out. But um, you, uh, the French people were just awesome. They were so so awesome. And uh, it was, you know, obviously we learned things like you should definitely rent a car, even if you think the train's going to be more efficient. The minute one of them's delayed, you're screwed in travel. Uh, but if you rent a car and you and you just go around France, it's it's an amazing experience. Uh, we got to go to Rouen, Les Essarts. I'm, I'm trying so hard to say that right, and I don't think I'm still not saying it right. Um, but that was a, a Grand Prix track in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, the last race that they ran there was in 1968 for Formula One. Uh, that was the last time they held the French Grand Prix there. Unfortunately. Um, there was a fatal accident there and I can't remember exactly. I think it was, I'm going to get this wrong. I think it was Joe Schlesher, but I can't remember exactly who it was. I'm sure the chat will tell me I probably got that wrong, but, uh, they decided the track was too dangerous and they, and formula one stopped going there, but they kept racing for 30 years after that. In fact, 
um, the Formula Three French Championship race there a year before that track actually was ultimately closed and created or turned back into just public roads. And they smashed the Formula One record by like 15 seconds, <laughs> which is just like and, and if you watch the footage, there's footage on YouTube of, of that track in the 90s. And it's the most bat bleep crazy track because it's just like guardrail and then trees. And there's like carbon fiber Formula Three cars running around there at 150 miles an hour. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Grand Prix with James Garner in it, that was the closest I've ever felt to to that. I mean, if you can go to a 60s era Grand Prix track, especially one that's abandoned, freaking do it and walk it. Because imagining Jim Clark and Graham Hill and, you know, all these amazing drivers going around there in, in the Formula One cars of the day is just like a mind bending experience i mean it really is you you really feel connected to the history at a track like that i haven't even talked about lamar by the way <laughs> no, also, not even keep not going even. i need i need to grab my piece of france right next to me <laughs> while you while you keep going okay okay uh yes yes uh gp laps confirmed because I, I figured he would uh it was joe schlesher um they actually put a chicane around the area where he died uh, and I actually took a piece of the, of the concrete because they were actually tearing up part of that chicane, uh, while we were there, there was actually construction going. What was crazy about going to Rouen was they actually cro- closed the roads because they were doing some like construction on a small part of the track, but you could just walk around the construction vehicles and, and no one yelled at us and no cops told us to not do it. So we just pretty much walked around this empty sixties racetrack and, uh, yeah, that that's an experience, and I and and I didn't even go to all the French tracks that I could have gone to. Uh, just in France alone, I think there's three or four abandoned Formula One tracks. Uh, there's Clermont-Ferrand, which still does host a racetrack or races. Uh, in fact, Sebastian Bourdais has the the lap record on the the current version of Clermont-Ferrand, but about half of the track is still public roads and accessible to the public. And then, of course, the one that everyone's seen is and again this is one that i don't necessarily know how to pronounce correctly so i'll say it both ways uh reams or rhymes i'm not sure exactly how you say it the americans generally pr- pronounce it reams um, which is if you've ever seen a picture if you google search abandoned formula one track you'll probably see a picture of reams we didn't get to go there but i'd love to go there uh, the other thing i will say now transitioning to Le Mans, is what's so cool about Le Mans is you can actually drive on most of the track including parts of the track that they don't use anymore. Uh, the run, the Porsche curves are a relatively new part of Le Mans. They were added in the seventies and there's actually a straightaway uh, that the old Porsche 917s. In fact, if you watch the 1971 Le Mans movie with Steve McQueen, that's still the configuration of the track that you can still drive today. And you go through the Maison Blanche corner and they still have the curbs from the seventies on the side of the road. I mean, it's really you know, I'm gushing, but that was such an incredible experience. And the 24 hours of the law, it's the closest thing I've ever experienced in Indianapolis 500. Um, they're very much sister races. Um, I would say that Lamont doesn't quite have the spectacle that Indy is. I think I still think Indy's, you know, the, the best race in the world by, by far. And, and I don't think I'll ever change that opinion. But Lamont is just, if you've gone to Indy and you liked Indy, Figure out a way to get to France and go to Le Mans because they are 
they are the two greatest races in the world by uh, a considerable margin. I want to see a Formula One Grand Prix, uh, particularly at Monza first, before I totally make that assessment. But yeah, uh, I I mean, I don't know necessarily what you want to know or what the the listeners would like to know Um, about my experience to Le Mans that I haven't talked about yet. But I have two things. One, just personally, uh, I'm very jealous that I didn't get to go this year. I had, I actually was initially a part of the, the, the group that was going to go. And then I had to, uh, my job roles changed and I had to be in Utah for the, the national races. You had to be at Miller Motorsports Park. Uh-oh, we have lost Kyle. Did we lose me or did we lose Kyle? Oh. We are lagging big time. Oh, oh, we're back. That was, yeah. Was that All me right. or was that you? I don't know. It just kind of flashed for both. Oh, okay. On both, I don't know. Anyways, I didn't get to go to the centenary, but I will. My plan is to go to the 100th. Maybe I'll go before then, but the 100th running of that race is the number that's like, I will be there for that. I was kind of, I thought about it. And I was like, well, David was at the 100th centennial Indy 500, and I did, wasn't. And I was at the hundredth running of the Indy 500, so it all it all kind of comes together. It's got that that's gonna happen. Which I, the hundredth running's in like what nine years? Nine, nine, nine years? years from now. Yep. Nine years. Yeah. So I, I'm very jealous. Um, my <laughs> random question is: We sit before you went to France, before you went to the 24 Hours of the Law. We we go to Petit Le Mans every year. You've gone longer than me, but we've both said that you know Petit is it's Petit Le Mans. So the name alone. That's kind of close-ish to like the American Le Mans. Now that you've actually been there, what are some of the, uh, as far as like being at the track and in the race, even though one's a ten-hour? Um, it there's some pre-race. The pre-race is similar. Uh, the the crowd at, at Petit Le Mans, which is a great crowd for an IMSA race, doesn't even compare. I mean, it's not even close. I mean, the crowd at Le Mans was Indy 500 levels of freaking crowd. Mm-hmm. I mean, just freaking crowded. Um, but I think that Petit Le Mans does an amazing job. And in fact, in the movie Ford versus Ferrari, they used Road Atlanta yeah. as a stand-in Le Mans. So that tells you how close the circuits kind of are in in philosophy, at least. Uh, I, I got huge Road Atlanta vibes, which is why I was vibing. Like, I was <laughs> totally vibing when we got down to Molson Corner and kind of went further down down the uh down the i guess we'll call it the peter dumbreck straight it's i guess it's the run to indianapolis but everybody knows that straight for peter dumbreck unfortunately and just an as an aside i have met peter dumbreck before and the only thing that went through my mind was don't bring up 1999 <laughs> but uh but when you're just sitting in the trees uh and yeah. cars are screaming by you at 150 miles an hour particularly the van wall and particularly the garage 56 i I was chilling but at road atlanta at night if you go down uh to the the double apex hairpin i think i can't remember exactly what the corner names are i think there's six and seven but i could be wrong on that if you stand down there either end of the straightaway either the back straightaway or the the straight heading down out of turn number five which i think is the one after at the bottom of the s's that is as as close as you can get to lamar from an on-track standpoint, standing out in the middle of the woods in the darkness, just seeing cars uh, stream by. I think Sebring is probably the closest to the like the vibe the Lamar track has. 
from a sports car race perspective. Um, but overall, the Indianapolis 500 is the closest thing I can get to the vibe that that 24 mm. Hours of Le Mans has. See, I've I've never been to Sebring, so I guess Petite is the closest I can get to Le Mans right now. Um, but anyways, again, I'm jealous. But like, uh, I mean, I, I've I've tried to put this together to make myself feel better so many times. But you guys got to go and go through all the struggles and the hassle so that when I join, when we go again, everything will be, be figured out and I get to, I, have, I get to have a better time. It'll be so. a fine oiled machine. I will say I this just be with you guys. Y'all can tell me what to do. You already figured it out. I, I well, here, there was a couple, <laughs> there was a couple of things. So, so I don't speak much French at all, but I easily knew the most French of anybody in our group. So I always ended up being like C3PO. Like I'd always just hear people would scream at me, like from like in the freaking Airbnb at one point. It was just like I was in a completely different room. They're like going, David, we need to speak French. It's like, uh <laughs> which I didn't, you know, like when someone's just going blah 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 blah, I I can't understand a damn thing they're saying. But you know, if they speak slowly and use small words, I can kind of understand and maybe speak a little bit back. But like, man, that was tough. And I will say the one, the one negative, the true negative about France is Paris. Don't go to Paris. Stay the hell out of Paris. And uh, if you stay out of Paris and you just go into like, you know, any other, literally any other part of France, including the big cities like Nice, uh, you'll have a great time. Just don't go to Paris. That That's my word of advice today. So final thing in Le Mans, uh -huh. I had to, I had to grab my little piece of France, uh -huh. even though I didn't go. My buddy, Chris, that went with you guys, GT Rain on YouTube is a legend. Big shout and out to Chris. Big it, ups. He brought it in the bag. So this is a, a French bag. And he grabbed me one of the Michel Valiants. Did I say that right? I think you did, yeah. You yeah. could also say Michael Valiant. Uh, Michael that's, Valiant. Yeah, that's... There that's was not a Michael, though. That's Michelle. That's definitely <laughs> Michelle, yeah. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's the one on the Indy 500, which is pretty cool because he told me that this one in particular, and it is in English, that's a double ups, but this <laughs> one in particular isn't going to be officially like out until the end of the year this year it was just out is that true yeah that's what he told me because we spoke to one of the artists we didn't speak to the artist that wrote that book or, or did the art for that book but he said they had released that already maybe the english version maybe the english version yeah because i think the but i mean the french version's been out for like two years which i stupidly bought and then didn't realize they had an English version. And then so I have a French version and an English version of that particular book. But that's the, uh, what because I bought a few of the Michel Valiant books and, and also some other uh, comics in France. And the detail that the French do like. So if you don't know, the the uh, the sport of auto racing technically started in the country of France. So they have a very strong like. Uh, connection to auto racing and 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 uh, understanding of it, and they also understand how to get people interested in auto racing. And those comic books, if yeah. I was a kid and spoke French, I those things would be like completely dog-eared because I would be reading those twenty-four freaking yeah. seven. It's amazing. The so I was able to get this when David came to work at Newcastle, and I read it pretty much immediately in the hotel room. And the whole thing, like. It's it's like going home. Yeah, it's it's two fictional characters racing in the 1966 Indy 500. And the whole thing, it felt like even though I was reading it, it felt like watching Speed Racer 
but it was actually <laughs> but it was actually taking place in an in, in the Indy 500. It's not just some fictional race. Uh, one thing I do want to show off, not to spoil it, if you can get your hands on one, because do it. Uh, that is Graham Hill in a swimming pool. (laughs) (laughs) That's very, that's very of the time to like, this thing is driver, like actual drivers in it, as well as the fictional ones. Like the whole thing is just freaking amazing. So that's, that's the gimmick of Michel Valiant. Every single comic book that they make of him. He is racing, and, they, and they, I guess they started it in like the 50s or the 60s, some, somewhere around there when comic books were really, really big. Um, they, they started this comic book series, and every single thing has, every single comic has had him and his family team participating in these big races. Now, the Indianapolis 500 books, I understand, are newer, Um but I guess in the comics, and and I got to be coy here about how I say this, in the comics they've teased a potential IndyCar run, uh, a, a like a modern IndyCar run for Michelle Valiant. So I guess we'll stay tuned for that. But I think I that would, would be really really oh, cool. And God bless I, America. Can they please translate all the books into English? All of them, every single one. Because I've seen like I read this and I immediately was just like I need the like modern Lama versions in English. Like now I need to see what those are. Like I, I need more than this because now <laughs> I, there's one in English that I know of and I read it. I want to read more that that was uh really good. So what were you going to say? Well, the good news is if they translated one into English. So, so what we'll say is if that's coming out later this year mm-hmm. and when that comes out buy the crap out of that. Yeah. Let's send a message so they make more of them. <laughs> no, I promise you. I know it's a comic book. But like I'm 21, and I was like sitting. I was amazed and fully into it. Like it's not, it's not a kids thing. Like if you're into racing in general, no matter what age you are, you're gonna enjoy that. That that's that's a it's amazing. Michelle Valion, reach out. David Land on YouTube channel. Push the pushing to the moon. Oh, yeah. here in the to US. the moon. Yeah. I will wear, I will literally wear the Michael Valiant costume. I'll, yeah. I'll dye my hair black. I'll do the whole thing. We are going to get this comic book going in the U.S. Okay. Yes. Let's actually talk about well, Let's Let's get to IndyCar. <laughs> Start on IndyCar. Okay. IndyCar. Well, that's, that's good because that was the first. I should have put this up the entire time. We've missed a lot. But, uh, okay, Kyle Kyle is desperate to talk about Mid-Ohio. Oh, I thought we well, desperate. Let's, let's recap first okay let's what recap. did we miss let's do a little what bit did of we miss? Indy, let's indie car recap we okay, talked about france recap. talk about your so detroit happened i guess this is kind of still a mall i fell you, asleep during qualifying you watched detroit <laughs> and did. you watched it what was it like nine o'clock at night it was awesome it was primetime indie car yeah really quick what was that like watching a daytime detroit race at night i've well, asked chris was, about this it sounds crazy it was evening because here's the thing about france what i I guess I didn't realize is that France was actually France is actually warmer right now than, than Indianapolis is like Indianapolis has had a very mild summer. France was hot and humid, which, you know, fine, fair enough. But, uh, uh, with that comes the fact that the sun stays out way longer right now in France than it does in the U S obviously it's 4,000 miles of difference. They're later in a season than we are, I guess, technically, right? So uh, a lot of a lot of it was kind of dusk when that race was happening. But yes, it was primetime IndyCar. 
Uh, we got to watch it on IndyCar Live, the streaming service that pretty much the rest of the world gets to watch IndyCar racing on. And it was commercial free. And uh, what a great experience. Uh, shame there isn't one of those options yeah. for people in the U.S. So Detroit happens. That was a crazy race. A lot of argy-bargy. Alex Pillow wins. Yep. But probably the biggest IndyCar news was a few days later when we find out Connor Daly is no longer a full-time IndyCar driver. Now right. we we have heard a little we heard a little bit, you know, about maybe next year Connor was kind of on the outs and looking. There was a lot of talk about that. But I, happening middle of the season like that, that was a surprise. What, yeah, so, uh, was it? I I, I mean I don't know. I think that my opinion and and I've had people argue with me on this is that I kind of was under the impression that Connor's deal was was I, I mean, everybody kind of knew it was in a precarious spot. But my my impression was he had to have a good Indy five or a great Indy five. He had a good Indy five hundred. But I think like a win or a podium at the Indy five hundred or lead a lot of laps would have helped him. Uh, in my opinion, now I, I could be totally wrong about that, but the fact that he just had a good Indy 500, I think kind of sealed his fate with Ed Carpenter racing. So they bring on Ryan Hunter Ray, which is good for that team because they can kind of, Brian can kind of figure out where they're at and try and help. Um, that was a bit of a shocker too. I thought, yeah, because I mean, I, it was smart. My on first their part. impression was Linus. I thought Linus because I think Linus was supposed to test for them or something. Yeah. Or I was worried. Them. I was worried they were going to put Linus in that car because I feel like they needed like a Hunter Ray. They needed a veteran, and then maybe next year you put in Linus. Mm. Uh, I I think that could happen still, but I mean I I feel like Hunter Ray going with a veteran, uh, one that has a few more starts under his belt than Connor that can kind of help Linus because. A good point that I heard was, you know, Renus VK, when you look at it through his whole IndyCar career, he's never had that like older veteran drive teammate. You know, he's never had that guy to lean off of except for Ed on the ovals. So to have somebody on the road courses that he can kind of lean on for advice that has years of experience beyond him. I mean, I felt like that was a good move. But what they do next year, what do you think? Um, do you think are? Do you think Bitnile is going to stay? Yes. Yeah. I, uh, it, I, the way it was explained to me, it's kind of similar to what happened with Zach Veach and Gainbridge. Yeah. Where pretty much sponsor, identical. Yeah. Cause, cause Bitnile stayed on. They, they were still a sponsor for Connor when he went to Nitro Rallycross. So that yes. happened with Veach. Veach didn't just wear a Gainbridge helmet when he drove the Lexus. They were helping him out. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I would expect that sponsor to stay along with Ed Carpenter racing and stick with that team. And at the same time, uh, stick with Connor, uh, when they can. So, um, but I would think that the majority of that budget is probably going to continue to go to Ed. And so if that is a fully funded car, Ed's got the pick of the litter. He can go get whoever he wants. I'm curious if he if he goes for a veteran driver like a Ryan Hunter Ray full time, if, if Ryan really impresses. And by the way, I'm really interested to see what Ryan does at, at Iowa for that team. Uh, yeah. That was one track in particular that the Ed Carpenter racing team really struggled um, at last year. And yet Ryan Hunter Ray is one of the most prolific drivers in the history of Iowa Speedway with IndyCars. So I'm curious what will happen there. And 
also looking at Ed and looking at what Ed and his goals are, Ryan Hunter Ray would fit, especially when we're looking at qualifying at the Indy 500, qualifying well at the Indy 500, and racing at the front of the Indianapolis 500. And Ryan Hunter Ray, uh, let's just remind ourselves that if it was 1989, Ryan Hunter Ray probably wins the Indy 500 under the caution flag this year for dry and Reinbold racing. A lot of people forget that he was leading uh, when the first red flag yeah. came out. Um, so I, I, I think that there's, there's a very good argument to be made that, that Ryan Hunter race stays at that team. But at the same time, there's a lot of kids, as you well know, coming out of Indy lights that have full freaking budgets yeah. and, uh, and money burning a hole in their pocket and are going to think- be looking at places to go. I think the other question to Hunter Ray staying would be is is Ryan does Ryan want to do that? Because like committing to half the season, doing it now. <laughs> well, committing to half a season, a full one is are two different things. Um, if it does happen, I would probably be like an Elio, where it's like when he signs, you know, it's not going to be like ten more seasons of his career. It's going to oh, be like I don't think anyone has probably that be like two or three, maybe. Yeah, yeah. but I mean. I- are you have anything else to say on that? Well, I just don't think anybody. Yeah, no one is expecting Ryan Hunter yeah. Ray is going to have some massive career resurgence, but I mean, he's still he's still got it. Yeah, like still got it. So from from my perspective, if you're Ed, why not? At sure. least at the five hundred, maybe maybe you do a split deal where you put some inexperienced lights kid in for the money, uh, the rest of the season. But that doesn't help the team very much, does it? No. Um, so, yeah, from that perspective, experience-wise, Ryan hunter Ray is the best available driver at the moment. Now, with silly season about to be what I think we expect it to be, the market's about to be flooded with experience. Um, so is Ryan hunter Ray the best of the litter when we end up having a lot of drivers to choose from? I don't know. But I will say this. At the Indianapolis 500, Ryan hunter Ray, I think, is going to get a ride with somebody. He was too impressive with Ryan Reinbold not to get a ride somewhere. Uh, it just depends who it would be with. And I think Ryan Hunter Ray and Ed Carpenter Racing would be an, a winning combination potentially at the Indy 500. And it would potentially help Renus VK significantly, in my opinion, and Ed, let's be honest, to have yeah. an Indy 500 winner with that kind of experience on that team, at least for that race. The, the rest of the season, you might sacrifice with with an older driver i just don't know i i that i i don't want to be ed carpenter right now i can tell you that that's a tough that's a tough but then then again there's a lot of team owners that i wouldn't want to be in the shoes of right now because there's there's a lot of tough decisions being made right now so then another indycar race happens a road america um it was certainly it was road america so it was always great um will power and scott dixon got in a a kerfuffle and then they kissed and made up as they do um yeah, they're Alex big boys. They're big boys. They they can they can they can flip each other off and shove each other and be just fine. Like it was great I, for it was great for the sport. Honestly, like I saw some comments that said, that's not great. I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, calm down. Like, I, I want to see the if they're gonna be fine too, like it, uh, if it's not gonna carry forward into more like stupid stuff down the road, I am fine with with two of the great legends of the sport like throwing throwing hands and then yeah. just like having a beer later. Like that's great. It was AJ and Mario did that, so why can't Will Power and Scott Dixon do it? Will Power probably had the most AJ moment <laughs> we've probably seen since AJ. 
like I, the last person I can think of that like actually would like cause problems, not not that will cause problems, but like do things, finish the problems, perhaps. Uh, yeah, which was, was Paul Tracy, but Paul Tracy was never really like AJ, you know, like he he put Paul, Paul, Paul Tracy, Tracy was, was his pretty own, close. He was his own thing though. Will Power that like give him the bird, shoving him, you know, <laughs> probably gave him a, a nice earful. What did that he was call Grosjean again? I can't remember. He a said piece so- of crap. A piece, a piece of crap. <laughs> he didn't use. He didn't cuss. He called him a piece of crap. That is the most AJ thing. <laughs> AJ cussed on TV quite a few times. <laughs> yeah, but if it, it was probably just damn. AJ also didn't. Qual- oh no! Have you ever seen the Jeff Andretti rant? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He yeah. he definitely said a few more few more things than. But but I think that. That that Will Powers rant. I mean, that was fantastic. I fantastic. wish drivers would speak their mind more often. So that was fantastic. But just like Mid Ohio, Road America, all of the excitement really wasn't in the race itself. It was in the Saturday, Mid Ohio. The race. Right, what? I thought the Road America race was good. What? What were you watching? It was, it was not like. Uh, it, <laughs> It wasn't it was in Mid good. Ohio, you biased ass. It was about the same. I was. It was about the same as Mid Ohio. Is what I'd say. I, mean, I would it agree wasn't with that. Like, but I thought the Mid Ohio race was fine. But I, it's not that they were a bad race. I'm not saying they were bad. I'm just saying, like, yeah, they were good IndyCar races, which is what yeah. Mid Ohio and Road America were. They were good. Mid- yeah. They were. But like, it's not. Will Power and Scott Dixon were not shoving each other on race day. Okay, well, yeah, that would have been. That would have been. I, I honestly Simon wonder... Pagano wasn't flipping into the sand trap during the race. Let like me the, let me the, let me the, make dr- a point the here. drama was really more on the on the weekend. What what moves the needle better? If that kind of stuff happens in practice, or I think if it practice during the race. Okay, so what are we complaining it's... about? <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that I'm just making the point. I'm just driving that home. The the, the, the weekend was more probably more dramatic than the actual race day and oh, alex yeah, below dominates yeah. setting i'm setting the trend early here that alex below is freaking dominating right now if if Renus vk hadn't crashed into him in the pits he would have won literally every indycar thing from uh the indy gp on including yep. the i mean just everything the poll for the indy 500 the indy 500 and every race since may yes yeah <laughs> by far um like you said, we probably haven't seen this type of domination since Zanardi. My uh, thought Sebastian Bourdais and Dan Weldon were two more that were brought yeah. up to me recently. My Dan thought Weldon during the Mid Ohio race was I was I was just thinking, man, we're right back to uh the 10 car in the Dario Franchitti days. Which I don't even think Are Dario we? Would... Yeah, that's what it feels like. <laughs> well, yeah, but is it gonna stay? That's that's the, that's question. the big question because you know, and everyone's saying it, and I'm not the only one saying it. Like, if if he doesn't have a competitive Formula One seat, and we're talking like top five Formula One car, uh, I mean, I get he could probably get paid going to Formula One. Okay, fine. If he makes six million dollars going to Formula One, it makes sense. But, 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 what is your legacy going to be? I'm going to ask the ESPN, pardon the interruption, style question right. Your legacy as Alex Pelot could be one of the greatest IndyCar drivers of all time. We have seen ever since Jacques Villeneuve, every single IndyCar driver who has gone over to Formula One after winning championships 
has fared at best. You're, you're looking at at best being Juan Pablo Montoya winning some races, but ultimately Max Verstappen's going to win every race, much like uh, Michael Schumacher did in Montoya's time in Formula One. But if you look at Zanardi, did not have a good time at Williams, ended up back at Indy, in IndyCar within two years. Uh, Cristiano D'Amato went to uh, a, a Toyota team that was just not ready for prime time and frankly never was. I mean, D'Amato never had a chance, was back in IndyCar, but at a worse team. Uh, same for Sebastian Bourdais. He was at Toro Rosso at the exact right time he needed to be. Unfortunately, Sebastian Vettel was also there when Sebastian Bourdais was at Toro Rosso. So even if you get to the right team, if you have the wrong teammate, you're screwed. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, obviously Michael Andretti had, yep. you know, well, that's the, the obvious teammate. example. That's the, obvious he had the wrong example. teammate and uh, another hot shoe coming in, but. Well, yeah. I mean, that was the big issue with Michael. There was a lot of issues with Michael, but that's such an easy Ron comparison Dennis too, because it's McLaren. How, how are you? How? Do... <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but the Michael, the Michael Andretti thing always gets brought up and the Michael Andretti thing, like even Senna like stepped in at one point and told Ron Dennis to stop like screwing with Michael. And that's when Michael got the podium at Monza right before he got fired. I mean, Ron Dennis, it's made no secret. He was, he preferred Mika Hakkinen in that seat and eventually he got what he wanted. Uh, that's, that's the, the, the long and the short of it. Now, am, am I totally defending Michael's time in formula one? No, I think Michael, you know, there were, there were efforts that Michael could have made that would have made his formula one career easier on himself. But like, at the end of the day, Michael should have stayed in IndyCar racing in 93. It, I mean, he's even on record as saying this himself. He would have probably won, if not every race, most of them in 93. And you think about where his car was in the 93-500 on the final restart. Nigel Mansell was driving it, if we remember, and Nigel was leading the race. He got completely smothered on the restart by Emerson Fittipaldi and Ari Leindyke. I guarantee you Michael Andretti would not have let that happen. Yep. <laughs> Like that, he would have rather crashed than than let those guys by. So, um, you know, Michael maybe would have won the 500 in '93, another championship. And we're talking about Michael as one of the greatest IndyCar. I mean, he is one of the greatest IndyCar drivers of all time. But we're like putting him in the AJ Mario conversation if he stays in '93. He didn't, and that kind of hurt his legacy a little bit, in my opinion. So as a driver. <laughs> so regarding Alex Pillow. Should we start getting ready to talk about Alex Pillow being a two-time IndyCar champion and four full-time seasons? Yeah. That's just I mean, incredible. It's it's Alex Zanardi again. I mean, that's that's why I made the Zanardi comparison because, like, uh, you know, it took Pillow one more season to win a championship than it did Alex Zanardi, but Alex Zanardi also started at Ganassi. If you look at Alex Pillow, he's had almost the exact same career trajectory as as Alex Zanardi so um he's gonna end up I think he's gonna I mean I, let's let's think about the next race it's Toronto I'm pretty sure what did pull I, I have to look this up I think Pillow was either I think he was on the podium last year at Toronto if I remember off the top of my head no he I wasn't was. he crashed because that was right after the uh the whole uh the the contract thing broke now I remember correctly. But, uh, you know, I think Alex Pillow could still have a good day at Toronto. I don't know if he's necessarily going to win, but why the hell would I bet against him at this point? Uh, Iowa, I think 
there's no reason why he can't be good at Iowa. I mean, Jimmy Johnson was absolutely stellar there last year. So um, why can't Alex Pillow? Uh, and, and it, you know, all he has to do is have a decent enough championship here in the stretch run and just keep Dixon within his sights, and he's got it. Yeah. So, yeah, so, I'm willing to say he's going to be a two-time champion. All right, so now <clears throat> I was at Mid-Ohio, and you weren't. Yep. So I'm gonna, You're going to keep reminding me of that. I'm going to go on my little rant. Going oh a little talk about Uh-oh. Mid-Ohio. Here he goes. So as of the event itself, it was great as always. About the same. Uh, Mid-Ohio added paving. They paved turn one. They added some to the curbs. Uh, because of that, camping prices went up. A lot of people weren't really happy about that. They went up from like 250 bucks to like 400 and something. Um, and I think a lot of people, I think camping was down this year. For, and the attendance might have been up or the same. But, at, you know, Mid-Ohio was just a great event as always. Um, the one complaint I do have right now about IndyCar at Mid-Ohio is, one, that it's on July 4th. Hmm. I've argued this in my head a million times. If a race is needed on July 4th weekend, a part of me thinks it does, but it's just tough because it's like you need to have that date. You need to have that date long term because something that I noticed in mid-Ohio is the first year they did it I felt like attendance was a little bit down I felt like camping was for sure down and camping has been going down because when you think about it when you have that date at the end of July for God knows how long probably over 10 years from when they switched to July 4th and then you move it to July 4th people have their yearly traditions on July 4th that they they'll have their cookout they'll go see their family you know, that they're not going to a lot of the casual fans who aren't diehard IndyCar fans like like us, they're going to go and do their normal July 4th plans. They're going to say, oh, well, we were not going to the IndyCar race uh, this year at Mid-Ohio. So part of me felt like camping and maybe the maybe the attendance, the attendance fell up, but it might have been the same. I felt like the event at Mid-Ohio had a lot of uh, growth for a few years before it went to July 4th and well, pre-covid um and then the july 4th date i don't know i just part of me thinks that it it, it might want to go back to the end of july i i don't know i for sure camping i think is down there's a lot of more empty lots than i've seen and i think it goes down every year and camping is what kind of makes that event what it is uh david you've been there i've oh yeah gone on rides to the campground the it's a great freaking time. It's like the only IndyCar race I know where the drivers on Saturday night after qualifying literally will just flock to the campgrounds on golf carts and walk around and sign things for fans. And literally, I, I saw a few drivers just hanging out at campsites with, with fans for like a 30 minutes to an hour. And then they'd leave like they were just hanging out on Saturday night. It's the only IndyCar event that I, I've been to that they'll just go out and do that for the fans. And that's. That's pretty cool, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. The July Fourth date to me is is an interesting one. Well, and and the big thing now is that like clearly, clearly that Chicago NASCAR race. Is oh gonna yeah, be, yeah, and that's, that's not far away. I thought about that too. I feel like it <laughs> might have went down again because of that. Yeah, uh, and it went down. Da- I can guarantee you it went down when NASCAR went to Road America. I guarantee mm. it because Road America for for the NASCAR race the first year they did that was filled to the brim all the the our nascar youtuber friends will 
tell us because they were there. It was packed. And that is, you know, I've driven there a few times. That's like a six hour drive. People would go and, you know, people who just went to Road America for the IndyCar race probably went to Mid Ohio for the IndyCar race as well if they have the time. I mean, that I feel like for sure the Road America NASCAR race took away from some from Mid Ohio, a race that at the end of July is packed. It is just campground full, area full. So I feel like the one idea I did have is maybe Road America might be down for this just to give the finger to NASCAR and put the Road America IndyCar race on the fourth. Uh, I don't think that would. I mean, you. I, I think I think the big thing with a, a, a 4th of July race is that this NASCAR Chicago thing has proven one thing to me is that you need a made for TV event yeah. on the 4th of July. And, you know, uh, this is going to be made a meme, isn't it? But uh, I'm going to make the suggestion. I'm going to put it out in the universe. Why not Michigan? Yeah. 500 mile race on July 4th. You're, if you're going to compete against NASCAR and they're going to do what you do, which is a street course, why don't you do what they do and do a super speedway? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but the problem is now, especially like, especially because the 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 Chicago race did like an Indy 500 TV rating, is that you are now like anything IndyCar does on Fourth of July is going to be USA Network or Peacock, like they're they're not getting on NBC. Mm-hmm. So like, I, man, it's tough. And you mentioned the attendance, and from a track perspective, I mean, I thought it looked good on TV. It I did. Thought it looked, it I did. thought it looked fine i feel like the event as a whole was down as far as camping goes i think attendance was about the same okay okay but but the camping that's like those are like the whales those are the big money spenders and if they're not there that's a problem so um i I don't know i that's a tough because like here's the thing with indycar like at some point you just have to kind of accept your lot in life and not run scared from NASCAR or the NFL or anything. You just kind of got to do your own thing, swim in your own stream and and not worry about it so much because like, if you just overthink like, Oh my God, Chicago street race just did 4 million people on TV. What are we going to do? Yeah. But at the same time, like I I get like, I'm going to go against the narrative here. I know shocker. There was probably there there was not a hundred thousand people at Chicago. Okay, let's just let let's. I, and I know no one's saying that. Everyone's just kind of being obtuse and saying great crowd. The crowd, I think they sold pre-sold nineteen thousand tickets, and there was probably a great walk-up. Let's be honest, probably ten thousand more people on a street course. Thirty thousand people looks like there's two hundred thousand people there. It looks great on TV, which is why a lot of people run street course races. Um, now the attendance in Chicago, that's not going to matter one damn bit if you can get four and a half million people to watch it on TV. But I would argue that there was probably a similar amount of people at mid Ohio compare comparatively to Chicago. I don't know if there was necessarily like a huge swing one way or another in terms of attendance. I'm sure Chicago probably had more, but it was probably a lot closer than maybe you would think. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think at some point you kind of have to just like say, look, NASCAR is going to do what it's going to do. And the NFL is going to do what it's going to do. And we need to just do our own thing and build our own events. And so if now does there's date equity now with mid Ohio on the fourth, do you really want to move it back to late July after 
already going through the effort to move it to July 4th? I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. You'd have to, I'd have to see like actual stats on like what it's doing. But just from my point of view, I would say it's going down. And if it keeps going down, then maybe. Because um, I mean, I, I wish they would have moved it sooner i wish you don't want to do the milwaukee thing though and just move it every single year because that's how you absolutely kill it yeah yeah for sure so i don't know uh the other thing about mid ohio is we haven't even talked about the race by the way (laughs) like i said they they repaved turn one and the plan is to repave the rest of it for next year um my well let's talk about the race now because this kind of goes into it the race like in mid ohio fashion did not have a lot of passing. It, yep. They could pass. They could pass. They, they were like three and wide maybe, on the main straightaway at one point. And maybe the new repave will help because the, the pavement's so freaking old in mid-Ohio. And the, the like, it's, it just felt like all the passing was going into turn two. And there was almost nothing in a turn four, A, because they probably didn't want to use up their push to pass because they were fuel saving, which is another problem. That's going to be my last point. Uh <laughs> But I nobody... know what you're gonna say because you make that you make this point every single year. Oh yeah, <laughs> they made a they had a like at the end everybody was getting terrible runs out of the key out of the turn two and could not get a run down the straightaway to pass into four, which is the normal passing zone, unless you were using push to pass. So maybe the repave will help. But I mean, if they're gonna do the repave, and this is gonna go against everything that I stand for. But I challenge the people of Mid Ohio, people doing the repave, to do to change something. To whoa, whoa! I don't have the change. A bigger, bigger media center? Are they going to pave the parking lot? Okay, no, they need to do that. But (laughs) like, I love Mid Ohio, and like, it's I think it's perfect the way it is as a drive, like to drive around. I I love the layout. Literally, oh, Twitter would disagree with you on that one, Kyle. My go-to thing is just a bring up iRacing, do a test session in Mid-Ohio in an Indy car. Like, I'll just I'll just do that all day for fun. So, but you have to improve passing somehow. And, like, this is such a, it's such a classic circuit that hasn't changed, and I would hate, I would hate it. But at the same time, like, I challenge them to change, like, one corner, do something to help passing. Just one, like, it doesn't have to be huge. Whether it's changing a do? corner, I don't know. I don't have the, I don't have the fix. I just challenge them to, there's people way smarter than me that could figure this out. Well, I don't. The only thing I wouldn't touch that they probably because the thing that they would do is they would probably turn turn four into like a 90 degree corner with a bunch of runoff, like an F1 style thing. But like <laughs> they might it, they might do that. It just I, feels like I wonder what the Pagano crash is going to have them thinking. Oh, about. No, it, it would cost them way too much money. The, they're already. They're, oh, so you don't been, like. So let me tell you my big spending idea on mid Ohio. My, because, because honestly, I made a point last night about street courses. You might know what I'm about to say that I always complain on street courses that the the start finish line and the pit lane are not on the same part of the track. Mm -hmm. So maybe what they should do is move the pit lane to the exit of turn one, take out, like move the camping to where the old pit lane is and then put a new pit lane on the exit of turn one, what currently is turn one, and then turn the keyhole into turn one with a proper pit lane with garages you and do, all that. You think, you're thinking the other way because then you would literally have like the pit lane on an island in the middle of the track. No, 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 no. On the other side, on the on the oh. left side. Yeah, on the okay. le- on the left side. 
turn that into like the eh. yeah that that's 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 how i that's david's suggestion to improve mid-ohio big media center bigger than ims's carpet air conditioning millions of seats that would be and, and catering that would be amazing uh yeah. catering by chipotle <laughs> that's that's my suggestion um yeah. But I but, don't know what that would do to improve the racing product, though. I, I, what, it just I feels mean, like like every single passing zone has a bad like run up to it. Like you go into everywhere to like turn one. I feel like you're in dirty air and it's hard to stay close for your passing zone into turn two. Maybe you change turn one, but turn I, like I said, the whole track's awesome. I've got an idea. I've got I don't want to. I don't want to be the guy who says the change because I love all of it. But I mean, I, I've got I, an I idea. Challenge him to make one change <laughs> to the track. I've got an idea. <laughs> Some dude has given me a great idea. Do you know what you do, Kyle? Hmm. Yet you, you still have. You know, we're going to still have the middle higher race, but. The middle higher race could take place at the Burke Lakefront Airport, and then you'd yeah. have as much passing as you could possibly want. That's true. I just say, just do, you know, this is a concept that I think I would like to see IndyCar explore. I don't know how they would do it, but I, why don't they just like take a, an area over for a month? You know, why not have like a month of June in Ohio with like a mid Ohio race and then a Cleveland race? Yeah. I don't know. Idea. And then you could do road America and mid Ohio or uh, road America and Milwaukee and just make that like the month of cheese or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's just an idea. That's, that's me thinking that's Would me thinking out idea. loud. And sometimes that that's dangerous, but boy, Oh boy, playing on automobile two and running the modern Indy cars at Cleveland. Hmm. Hmm. What a great race that would be. God, that would be uh, okay. All right. I've, I've yeah, said my I, piece. I've said I am, it. I am, I am scared that I put into the universe an idea that would change, that would like entirely ruin Mid Ohio. But anyways, I don't know what they could do. Like they, I, would... like, I just feel like there's just like one thing that they could figure out to do that would just make it easier to pass in one to two corners. Uh, like, you cut all feels... the trees. You you pave the the. You take out. Uh, you like extend could... the straightaway down where turn four is. Go off into the trees or whatever. And have it just like go downhill and just extend the straightaway and then have a 90 degree corner. That's how you'd have passing. Yeah, just make it a yeah. But, and then you cut off like turn what well it'd be that whole like carousel section. Okay, I challenge them to do it without changing turn four, for the love of God. Uh that's the only place they can pass. No, they <laughs> can pass they can pass in two, but it's just like I feel like you could I feel like they just run into like, each other when they try to pass like, each other in two. Didn't someone barrel the, roll trying to pass somebody in two? The point is that there's like there's passing zones in two and four. You could do something to another corner of the track to make it maybe easier to follow or maybe easier to to get the passes done in those two corners. If that makes sense. Do you know what I like about the YouTube chat? I just want to say this real quick. They haven't changed it to the damn at Twitter copy yeah. thing that they're doing. God, that's nice. YouTube, get your head out of your butt. Don't do that Twitter crap. Good Lord. I'll get like rate limited or something. For the love of God. Okay. Uh, have we talked about the race? We haven't even talked yeah. about the Mid-Ohio race. All right. Last point. <laughs> the race is 80 laps. It oh, used to God. be 90 laps outside of the two covid races that were 75 
when it was 90 laps, you could do the race in a two-stop strategy. It's kind of like Barber. If you remember Barber, you had guys on two stops, some on three. Good race. Three, three could push. That's what mid-Ohio would be if the race was 90 laps. But instead, it was 80 laps, which is a pretty easy two-stop with saving. We know how great IndyCar races become when there's fuel saving involved. When you make it 80 laps, it makes it very easy. 90 laps, it's possible. We had to save more, which would make the three-stop strategy more viable. There were only two drivers on Sunday who did the three-stop strategy. It was Pato Award and Santino Ferrucci. We saw Pato's race ended. He was eighth, and Ferrucci was nowhere to be found. Everybody else went on the two-stop strategy. And not to mention there was a yellow that hurt it that made it even easier to do two stops. So maybe make the race 95 laps. But the race was 10 laps shorter than it needed to be. So it was almost like they knowingly went into the race knowing that it was going to be boring. Like, you, <laughs> that, you, like, dear God, it's a track that you can't pass on. And you're going to make it an easy, you're going to make it a fuel saving race by making it 80 laps. Correct. What am I missing? Like what, what well, were we, what were we expecting to happen here? <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's something that has been brought up and I want to give a shout out to uh, the, the off track with Hinch and Rossi deal uh, because they brought this up and I think it's a great suggestion for other races, but most importantly for the Indy 500, because I think one of the big things that we can compare mid Ohio and the Indy 500 to is that they have, they're have both turned into total fuel save for fest. Yeah. One thing you can do is shrink the capacity of the fuel tank or increase it. If there's room in the chassis, you could do that too. And frankly, at the Indy 500, I think running with more fuel would be more exciting because less pit stops would mean longer fuel runs more tire fall off, more exciting race, more strategy opportunities, all this stuff. Um, but you want to try to encourage the cars and teams to run hard the entire race. You want to do your best job to try to do that. If you can incentivize that, the racing will take care of itself. And I think that's a big problem with IndyCar on a lot of tracks uh, in the modern era is not necessarily that they can't race or they can't pass. It's that they choose not to because they have to hit a fuel number. And especially in this era of things not changing, we've been running with the same engine formula, the same fuel capacity, the same blah, 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 blah for 12 years now. And more often than not, especially the Indy 500, because the distance will never, ever change of that race. Uh, hopefully, pray, pray to God it doesn't. Um, the You're always going, if you run the same, even the same body kit, which, by the way, I guess Will Power finally let it slip. He's the first person I've heard say it publicly, that the body kit for the Indy car will change next year. Bigger wings, bigger side pods, is what he said on Connor Daly's podcast. But the... You know, it, when the car doesn't change for three years, everybody figures it out in the first two years. And then by by the time you get to 2023, everyone's just sitting in a line saving fuel. That's not very exciting. Same thing with Mid-Ohio. Uh, even if you change like the laps and fuel capacity each year, you could really mix the race up. Even if we can't have true innovation anymore, the rules makers should throw challenges and curveballs at the engineering side of the teams to make the racing more interesting. I think that's what we're going to see at Gateway this year. Not just the fact that they're running alternate tires, but the fact that the alternate tires are something new, something that we haven't had in IndyCar racing since the tire wars of the 90s, where there's two different comp tire compounds out on the racetrack at the same time. 
that's going to make for a compelling weekend because we have no freaking clue what's going to happen. Yeah. There's no notebook. We need to, we need to, in racing, you need to have more notebook tossing. Throw that mother bleeper out. Speaking of, this is a great transition. NASCAR in Chicago. You want to talk about a notebook toss? This is a notebook toss. This was the notebook toss of all time. Uh, I mean, I, I've already said my piece on the race. Uh, I think the big talking point, and I'll just bring it up before I'll kind of give the floor to Kyle, is uh, four and a half million people watch this thing. That's only 100,000 people, give or take, off of what the freaking Indy 500 TV rating was. It's the biggest auto race on NBC outside of the Indianapolis 500 since 2017, the NASCAR Cup Series finale. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, so I guess, Kyle, you were at Mid-Ohio, but at least judging by your Twitter, you watched the Shane Van Gisbergen, uh, which is apparently a hard name to say for some reason. Yeah. But uh, the Shane Van Gisbergen spanking uh at at chicago i guess just kind of go off with your thoughts maybe maybe talk about some of the points i made in, in my video but but mainly just you know whatever you want to say man my first reaction in Astro chicago this weekend was not good because like, yeah because you would think i it, like, it was kind of sad to the to see that like you would think that people thought that this was like the first street race that has ever happened <laughs> it was like at some it's point, not even the first nascar street race but you would just look at the internet and you'd be like man <laughs> nascar <laughs> also we... invented the paper barrier and fuel injection and the yeah. Hans device i mean i think we've realized that at this point yeah but i mean and then and then it makes made me even more sad when people didn't know which, I mean, I guess it's fair if you're just an NASCAR fan, but it's like, man, you don't know Shane Van Gisbergen or how to say his name. And it's like, oh. That's why it was guys such are... poetic justice that he Yeah, I know. I was, like, I was you like, guys... you guys are putting that in the universe by screwing his name up every single lap. Because, <laughs> I mean, I will say this. If you're just an NASCAR fan and you don't, like, watch at least, like, highlights or, like, have seen V8 Supercars, which I guess is not called it's just called supercars now but i just call it i still call yeah. it v8 supercars i also like, called the don't... craftsman truck series the craftsman truck series up until the point it was called the craftsman truck series again and then i started calling it the camping world truck series like but supercars is just like the same like now obviously they're pretty like the same cars but like they're faster and they race on road courses and it's all australian like come on guys come on like at least watch highlights or like look at clips on Twitter of it. Like, like what I've seen mostly this weekend is that people had like no idea. And Marcus freaking Ambrose used to be an NASCAR driver and won races. That was also like, a name they could, couldn't say. Marcos Ambrose, they would say all the time. And I'm like, how how can you not say Marcus? It's, yeah. it's Dave Marcus is a NASCAR driver that you can say the name of. <laughs> it's I don't know. Uh, and then everyone like i i it, it it was shocking to see like shane van gisbergen win but when which marcus i called Am which i called i called it when marcus it. ambrose came in a nascar he was really freaking good he won a lot of everybody forgets not only did he win two cup races a little bit later on he won a lot of freaking nationwide races or I guess you'd call it Bush races, but they were nationwide <laughs> races at the time you won it, by the way. 
Right. But he won a lot of nationwide races. He won two cup races and probably, well, I guess they would have been, never mind. But he was another supercar guy who immediately came in on the road courses and was good. Yeah, everybody forgets before he won in 2011, he was also still, he was really fast when he first came in. So, I mean, it's like it happened. And it was surprising that it actually happened because these these things, you want them to happen. There's a there's like an opportunity for them to happen, but it never actually comes together and happens. And it did. So that that was cool. But when you really look at it. It was it's not that surprising, like it's not. No, no. It's very awesome. And I'm glad that it actually did happen and nothing got in the way of it. Like some <laughs> dumping they tried. Them. Oh, boy, they tried. <laughs> yeah. But like, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't call the last restart a double file restart just out of like I was so expecting that I'm like don't do it I'm like don't yeah. do it <laughs> like especially like if you've seen supercars highlights you watch supercars and like you you know you know that this like could have could have happened like come on but yeah it was cool uh, the layout I wish uh, it was IndyCar usable the only the only reason I say it it would not be is the the barrier in turn one that connects to the other straightaway there's like they come together and there's no real there's no real runoff there uh i wish so yeah maybe imsa could go there as well but because like in in street racing that, that's terms, supposedly happening by the way yeah because in street race like street track terms i don't think it was that bad of a layout i thought it was pretty good i think that the the turn the three and four where Shane Van Gisbergen made that awesome over under. That's a great set of corners. Like that, that's that's actually flowing. Even though most like most of the track on paper is just ninety degree corners, which is kind of boring. Uh, as far as street sex street circuits are, can uh, they go? But like when you compare it to Detroit this year, <laughs> I think it's better than Detroit. So oh yeah, oh god, come on, that's that, Detroit. The new Detroit track and this shouldn't even be in remotely yeah. the same conversation. Not even, I mean, not even close, not even close. The, the, the Chicago street race, the track itself, I will 100% defend. That's a legit racetrack, yeah. legit racetrack. Yeah. So I, I wish IndyCar could go there, but yeah, uh, successful almost wasn't thanks to mother nature, but what would they have done? Like what, what, how mad would the city of Chicago have been? If it goes to Monday, no matter how the race or the TV rating goes, do you think this race gets a second year? I'm I I man I'm confused I'm curious about it still I I'm very interested to hear what the city has to say about the event because what's Chicago going to say about four and a half million people watching it on TV yeah. will Chicago look at that and say those people are all going to come and tourism in our town or are they going to go oh my god all those people are going to come for the race next year we are not prepared for this. I don't want it. I don't, I don't know if Chicago, like, cause like the thing with NASCAR is they're still looking at alternate street circuits, at least according to Adam Stern. And, and I think someone, I don't remember who it was. I did see the comment that said the TV ratings, the worst thing that could have possibly happened here because the TV rating is so good that if Chicago, even if Chicago does get a second year, Perhaps we should start saying when Chicago gets a second or third or fourth year, NASCAR is going to overdo it with the street courses. I mean, that's what I, that's what I warned in my video last night. I'm like, good God, please don't do like, 
I yeah. go against every feeling in your heart about doing what you're gonna I know you're gonna do because I know you because you're NASCAR. <laughs> Let this be a crown jewel. Let this be special. Let because you're not gonna get four and a half million people on the freaking Chicago race if there's 15 other street circuits on the damn calendar. Ah, <laughs> Yeah, it uh, makes me want to tear my hair out because I can see it coming. I can see that train. It's heading for the cliff and there's <laughs> nothing I can do to stop it going off of it. You have a great thing. Shane Van Gisbergen, because he dominated that race and because they didn't, they did single file restarts, no freaking stage cautions. And Shane Van Gisbergen drove that freaking car better than anybody else. He became a household freaking name in this country, became a star instantly, probably got himself a couple million dollar NASCAR contract the minute he steps out of a supercar. That doesn't happen in a not crown jewel race. And yet here we are. You guys are immediately going to oversaturate the market with NASCAR street races. Please don't do it. Okay. Ugh. Okay. Ugh. I I really like the idea that I saw on Twitter that somebody said, uh, I hope they don't overdo the street course thing. And I hope they actually go to different street circuits every year. I think that would be cool. That's a logistical nightmare. I, I think That's keeping it in I think keeping it in Chicago is gonna be tough because we know how yeah. tricky politicians are. They don't and, care. and let's be honest, like outside of the race and the TV, like the exciting race, which, by the way, was cut by 25 laps. So it wasn't even the full race we were supposed to see. Yeah. Outside of the race being exciting, the entire rest of the weekend was a complete disaster. And what yeah. is a politician going to look at and go, well, OK, one of the races went off without a hitch, but the other one and all the concerts got canceled. You sold us on all this stuff and it didn't happen. Like, that's what they're going to look at. They, they don't care that Shane Van Gisbergen won this race. They don't care about that story. And I'm curious if they care about the TV rating or not. Yeah. But, I mean, I it would be cool if they just had one street race every year, maybe on July 4th, maybe to keep the date and just see if you can move around cities and do that year to year. That would be cool. It would be a night. Like, you, you know this, Kyle, how difficult you would have it is. To. <laughs> to actually do that, you would have to probably run Chicago another year and start planning for the third year, uh, like now, and like plan uh, plan on where you're going next, like two or three years ahead of schedule every time. You're NASCAR. You're not the Olympics. You you have pull, but you don't. I mean, you can't. You're gonna run out of cities. Yeah, like that's well, then the you thing. go back. It's like the Super well, Bowl. That's what I agree with. If if like let's say because of the Chicago race, I think. The NASCAR Chicago race, the Cup Series Chicago race, was a success. Okay, cool. Earned a second year, sure. But the minute that that race is 120 degree, like Fahrenheit temperature, and it's single file spread out street course race, because here's the other thing like, again, this race didn't have a notebook. It was not only a street course, but it was raining. Like, this was conditions that we've never seen NASCAR Cup Series cars race in. What has happened to the road courses, generally speaking, for NASCAR? The teams and the drivers have figured them out. We don't get Shane Van Gisbergen wins in the Project 91 car at, like, the Indy road course. That's That wouldn't happen. And I'm, I, I hope I'm stepping in it, by the way. That would be cool if it happened. But, like, generally speaking, the, the, the regular guys are going to win the, the road courses now because it's just not valuable to put a Boris Said type in because – 
of the points and how it all works in NASCAR now. I I I just let's let Chicago be its own thing for a couple of years and see how the race plays out. Because remember when everyone was so high on the Roval? Nobody gives a damn about the Roval anymore. Nobody cares. And that's because they oversaturated it and did too much with it immediately without going, huh, this was really successful for the first year, but what about year two, three, four? And what happens if we add Robles at Indy and Daytona and start talking about doing it in Atlanta and all this other you know, nonsense? I mean, I don't know. That's that's where they're going to run into trouble is that everybody and their brother just immediately thinks this is freaking going to print money everywhere else in the country. And if we look at street courses in literally any other series, they are just run-of-the-mill races. It's very hard to create a crown jewel. They potentially have the Long Beach of the North going on here in Chicago. They could build this up into an event. Imagine if they added some support races like Trans Am or like IMSA. Well, they are going to add IMSA, but I think they have a chance to really build something cool in Chicago. But if they do it five times a year, it's just not going to have the same impact. Yeah. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about the effect of the TV rating? That's that's the big thing. Like because this was this was the highest NASCAR TV rating since 2017 Homestead, which everyone will remember was the Carl Edwards retirement race, <laughs> oh, which pissed a lot of people off. And that's you know what's funny to look back on that and realize that TV number was like so high. And then it, I wonder what the impact of that race playing out the way that it did impacted tv viewership for years from years to come i mean what do you think nascar is going to do with this i mean what do you think because nbc is going to push this to the moon what do you think nbc is going to be the driving force behind more street courses rather than nascar themselves do you think nascar themselves is going to do that uh unprovoked or do you think nbc is going to be like yes yes do more Uh, I feel like NBC is less like pushy on NASCAR than Fox is. I feel like Fox is really the, the, the one out of the two that will basically push NASCAR. Yeah. I, I, I feel that way. I feel like there's a couple of examples, even this year, I, I didn't realize that they extended practice at Nashville and I guess, uh, 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 Chicago as well because NBC wanted more TV time so I, I don't know and I think NBC was a big driving force behind the stages to be honest with you I, I don't know I, I have to go look at the uh, I'd have to go look at the quotes from back in the day but like the stages and NBC line up pretty closely with that I just I just think of like the the Bristol dirt race and how badly Hell Fox yeah. wanted a dirt race and the fact that it has to be on Bristol it's not it freaking knocks it's not a freaking eldora <laughs> that makes me mad i i just haven't heard i guess or know of an instance of nbc maybe maybe nashville but i don't know like a race that nbc is just went like you gotta do this and you gotta you gotta go here you gotta do well that. they they went balls to the wall in the promotion of chicago i think i said in one of my videos it was the most promotion i've seen from for a race from nbc that hasn't been the indianapolis 500 hmm. i mean they just pushed it to the freaking moon well i don't know i it would be it would be the most nascar thing but i would hope and just want that that they have learned their lesson at this point like you said on the roval um and the amount of road courses they're doing 
Uh, I think Denny Hamlin makes a good point. I mean, I, I made it a point on Twitter a few weeks ago where I said, like, people complain about the schedule right now and, like, the fact that we have a street race and a dirt race and all these things. Like, there's a lot of talk about the schedule. But, like, back in my day, we ran two races <laughs> at New Hampshire. And we, <laughs> we ran two races at Pocono. We ran, like, all these races they're getting rid of to do, you know, uh, the street course and, and all these, like, the Roval, it's like, Man, I watched New Hampshire twice a year and I was excited about it. Like, what are you guys complaining about now? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, here's the thing. I watched the, this is, this may be a tangent. And I don't know where this is going, but we're going to find out. I, I recently rewatched the 2002 Brickyard, which mm. was kind of, which was an NBC race, by the way. And also, I just want to, if anyone from NBC is watching this, please bring back the countdown to green theme. That thing freaking slaps like low key banger, whatever that countdown to green uh, theme was. That was so freaking good. But um, that was rel a relatively boring race. Uh, it was exciting, though. I mean, like everyone talks about that being a a Bill Elliott runaway and it was. But there was always a guy who was challenging him, whether it was Tony Stewart, whether it was Dale Jarrett, whether it was Rusty Wallace at the end of the race. The race was always in question until the very end when, when Bill finally got around Rusty Wallace and you'll never guess what NASCAR did with Bill Elliott running away from the, from the, with the lead, clearly going to win the Brickyard 400. They throw a debris caution with 10 laps and there's a restart and Bill runs away again and wins the race. It's like, why'd they do that? And we know why they did that because NASCAR has always been the same. Um, but I remember watching that race as a kid uh, at home I think that was the last brickyard my family went to. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't even get to go to a brickyard until 2014, believe it or not. Although my family had tickets from 94 to, to 2002. And in fact, I went to the Indy 500 in 2002. So why they didn't take me to the brickyard, I have no idea. Maybe they really wanted to bird up and, and really get hammered. But um, yeah. I, <laughs> I, uh, the big takeaway I have from the NBC coverage of uh, the 2002 Brickyard is they really did a good job of like making the event feel big. They treated the Brickyard 400 with a huge amount of gravitas. And I felt that while it wasn't quite as good a quality of broadcast as the 2002 Brickyard, I thought that NBC did a very good job of covering the, the streets of Chicago. I, I think there's mixed feelings, particularly from the pit reporters about Mike Bagley. Uh, it looked like Marty Snyder wanted to go up there and rip his head off at one point. But I think Mike Bagley is the best part of the NBC broadcast. And it's not even like Dale Jr.'s like, OK, Dale Jr.'s close. Dale Jr. is a close second. But Mike Bagley, number one with a bullet. I mean, he he was such a professional, kept everyone up on the race and also corrected himself when he started saying Shane Van Gisbergen's race uh, name wrong. He corrected it. After he got it wrong once and never said it wrong again, the whole rest of the race. So, so how do you big, feel big about the? Out. How do you feel about the NBC radio style broadcast? Because I kind of mixed on it. Because I think I brought it up yesterday, and I guarantee I'm freaking right. Because everybody memed NBC for this, but there was yeah. a Mid Ohio Xfinity race where they literally there was like a spin in the middle of the screen, and the commentators just didn't talk about it. Like it just had, and <laughs> and the producers missed it. Ooh, and that's unfortunate. I realized that. Yesterday when I was watching the race and because, you know, the I, I don't know if anyone else found humor in this, but like when Kyle Busch crashed and like Jeff Burton's mid send was like, oh, we got a car in the wall. <laughs> like when they when they just cut in, it's so funny. 
but I realized it. I'm like, yeah, they're like in the corner. So they see this all happening. So the producer doesn't sit, doesn't miss it. The guy switching the, the cameras doesn't miss what's going on. The, the commentator can just go in there and get it. That's what I like so, about it. That's I what think I like about it. I don't know. It's, I feel like it's kind of lazy. I feel like it's uh, kind of like you, you get a lot of stuff, but it's like, yeah, you're just taking it off the, the, the one guy's back to do his job. I, I would agree with that. I would agree that the, it seems like a lot of times there's, there's a distinct lack of racing knowledge in the, the, like the switcher role at a, at a, at a race. It seems like a lot of times, whether the director or the producer, whoever's calling the shots is, is missing some of the action. It almost always seems to be this way, but I think with the, with the TV or sorry, the, the radio calls, as well as Dale Jr. himself. He does this on oval tracks all the time. You ever tell like Dale Jr. will like send subtle messages when he's watching something like out the window instead of watching on TV. He'll go, wow, there's a really good battle for 21st. We need to be like on that right now. You know, it's like, like I appreciate that Dale Jr. does that. Clint Boyer does that. Clint Boyer does it. And these guys have the clout to do it. Like I feel like in the past, Guys would kind of be afraid to like start calling the shots from the booth because I'm sure that comes up in production have you, meetings. Have you seen the clip of Clint Boyer this year where he calls like a battle and he's like, "Oh, we better get a camera on that." <laughs> yeah, and then they, and I think then I was they watching the race away, where he did that. and he like throw. You can hear him like audibly like throw a oh, notebook yeah. or something. <laughs> oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, but 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 you know what? I would rather have guys with some freaking passion in the booth than. Uh, you know, the 2009 for example, just to throw a, like a race broadcast. Like yeah. I would rather have a guy who's, who screams and hollers too much like Dale jr. Who knows what the hell he's talking about and watch the damn race and understand what the hell's going on. than somebody boring, like 99 times out of 99 times uh, without any, without any question in my opinion. Uh, all right, is that enough NASCAR talk? I think we've talked enough. NASCAR. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's time for you to get me in trouble. This is uh, this is a great segment, and then we'll go into the super chats. Oh. Uh, Kyle has had a month and a half to try to get me in trouble, so if oh, he doesn't gosh. get me in trouble on this one, it's going to be very disappointing. Well, it's hard to get. Uh, there's going to be one of these episodes where I am going to have something spicy, spicy that you will actually get flamed on for, but. <laughs> But but for now we're gonna stick. Save we, that for the winter. We we, we think, need content because we, we knock on wood or or not because sometimes it's. But we have not been like really getting in trouble lately. Like we like maybe it's because we haven't had the podcast in a while. But like I I, I don't mean, think the podcast is. I think the podcast, if anything, has helped. <laughs> yeah yeah, because we can just yeah. Because because I will say I will say this. I've I've noticed this and and maybe I'm just you know, looking too far into things, but I don't think I'm wrong here is that I've noticed the chat like is not nearly as active as it should be for the 400 people that are watching it. And a lot of times, and I've seen the texts from you people in the industry who text me during this show, I see it. There's a lot of industry people that watch this show, in my opinion, which is scary, but it's also gratifying. So hi to everybody. I'm glad you don't think I'm quite as much of a dickwad as you used to. So I think, thank you for that. I actually got in trouble this weekend. What'd you do? In trouble. Did oh, you see yeah. Somebody yelled at you. Yeah. Yeah. That was annoying. Like, I was just sitting there <laughs> shooting photos for fun. Like, I, I'm like, I'm not working this weekend. I'm having a good time. You know, I'm having a few drinks, hanging out with my family. But I shot photos on Friday because it's, fu- it's fun. Even though it's my job, 
to like shoot video and photos, I still think it's fun. I'm going to do it. Well, without a photo vest, I can't get up next to the fence, right? Like I can't, I can't do that. And I didn't do that, but a security, like, so I was standing by the, like by the, the, you know, where, where the pan stand, where there's like the little fence and then the racing fence, you know, and the security guard walks up. He's like, cause the red flag for Elio spinning directly in front of me, by the way, happened. And he walks up and he's like, I think I just saw you over that fence by the, by the fence. I'm like, I was, I was actually shooting through the fence, but I wasn't over the fence. And he's like, no, you were, you were, you were over there. I think I saw you. I'm like, you think you saw me? Oh, <laughs> if, God. You're gonna, if you're going to come at me, bottom line, I was actually <laughs> yeah. not breaking any rules. And what he was really mad about was that I had my dirt bike and he's like, well, you can't motorize vehicles, even though I'm surrounded by golf carts. So he wanted me to move that over the fence. He wanted me to move my dirt bike over to an over somewhere else and not have a motorized vehicle in that way. And he didn't actually because he he didn't actually see me over the fence because I wasn't over the fence. So he kind of dropped that and yelled at me for something else. But bottom line is, if you're going to come at me and yell at me for something. Don't start the sentence with, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Say I saw you. Right. And I'm going to say, well, you didn't because I didn't didn't happen. But like. And I, I thought about it, too. I was like, if I had done that by the time he saw me. Wouldn't I have still have been like climbing, like like saw me and walked over to me? Wouldn't I have like been climbing back over the fence? Like how would I have well, done that that quickly? Yes, <laughs> I, I have two points that are completely unrelated to what you've said. I think you got screwed first of all. Well, I didn't. Uh, I didn't actually get like I didn't get kicked out or anything. Well, so was... yeah. Well, there, it, it, dude, that would be like them kicking me out of IMS. I don't think they can. They can have the yeah. capability to kick you out yeah. of IMS at this point. You're kind of a part of the furniture, whether you whether you <laughs> like it or not. Um. But uh, so I'm going to be a bit of a snitch here and, and I have no, and I, I, that's why I'm not saying any names or faces, or I won't even say where I was on the track, but I definitely saw some people jump over the fence at Lamar and get way closer to the track than I would have ever wanted to go. <laughs> I'm like, I wonder if I'm ever going to, I should show these people the Peter Dumbrecht crash or the, uh, <laughs> or the Andre Lauderer crash before they do this. The other question I would have is I discovered at Sebring this year, that they have around the track Sears fence. They have Sears fence lining Sebring. Sebring is that old that they have Sears fence. So my oh. question to you is, does Mid-Ohio have a Sears fence? Too? No, that thing's fallen over. That thing is not <laughs> a Sears fence. If it was, it would probably be still standing strong. That's another thing that Mid-Ohio needs to freaking replace. But, <laughs> like, I can show you. It made me so mad because I was like, I it's like when you have those like arguments with people and then you think retrospectively, it's like, oh, I should have said this should have like I have like I had all the photos on my camera that had like the fence in the photo. And I was like, man, like if I had jumped the fence, would there still be fence in my photos, dude? Like I can show you every single one. There's fence in the freaking photo. You should like, have just thrown the cart chaser vest on and jumped over the fence. And yeah. Just been like, oh, yeah, I'm credentialed. Media. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> man, I was like. Ah, that was annoying, but not really. Well, maybe depends on what you say, but we're talking about NASCAR. When the Brickyard 400 comes back on the oval, <laughs> then that's you, the first part. All right. Well, what are we, what are we going to have to do to make it a special event? Is it just going to be the Brickyard as it was? Or are we going to do like some duels or something? What do you want that? <laughs> Run it on the downtown city streets. Um, <laughs> 
God bless. I would love to see duels. You know what? Oh, do I want to say this? Yeah, I'll say it. I don't know how you'd pull this off. But God bless America. I'd love to see it. You know what? Throw the next-gen cars out. Let's just not do <laughs> Let's not do it with the next-gen cars. <laughs> I, got, I got an idea. Just hear me out. All these cup teams run pseudo-Xfinity programs anyway. Let's just have them all enter every piece of Xfinity equipment that's out there. Let's get an 80 car Brickyard 400 entry list again and do what they should have done in 1994 and have a 40 car consolation race and take the top five and put them in the Brickyard 400. That's, that's what I would do. Find a way to get as many freaking entries into that. I don't care if you have to run a multi-class race with Xfinity and trucks and cup, have a way to have like enough cars that there's actually a threat that somebody goes home. I mean, the I teams, that's the, what's the teams wouldn't like it, but to that, to that point, what I would also say is why don't we have them run the Xfinity uh, chassis, but then the bodies, you just give them measurements and say, do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> uh, that's how you end up with, if you've ever seen like the Syracuse 200 from the 1980s, where somebody brought a ground effects car, and then the Bodines had to like, fabricate a ground effects car in their like shop in the pit lane uh if you hear fireworks i apologize for that but uh the uh i don't know i i don't know what you could do the brickyard 400 i I mean i think what what ims is probably going to say uh if and when they wink wink bring it back um i I think that they're probably just going to say to an extent like well we're bringing the brickyard back everybody it's the 30th anniversary of the Brickyard 400. Yay. And that's going to be it. I mean, I, I just don't think IMS has like the pull that they used to, to really do a unique um, event. Uh, you know, what's funny. I don't remember where I read this, but I was recently reading an article about the 94 Brickyard. And apparently people were speculating that there would be a three abreast start in the 94 Brickyard. Imagine that for a second. Maybe that's what they should do. Maybe do a three. If you can't change anything else, maybe do a three wide start. I don't, I don't know what you, cause like what I, what I expect to happen with the next gen car at IMS is they're going to be, there's going to be too much dirty air and it's going to look a lot like the Indy 500 where maybe they'll run closer, but it's probably going to be single file a lot of the time. And I don't yeah. think they're going to have the same like draft effect to pass each other and repass each other like they do in the 500. So it could be like a worse version of the Indy 500. Problem is like, like, like what Denny Hamlin preaches about, like, I honestly, I haven't seen, I'll probably watch it on my drive to Pittsburgh this or listen to it on my drive to Pittsburgh, but Denny Hamlin's podcast for a few episodes has just been him complaining about tires. The pro. So I know so much thanks to Denny Hamlin on how bad Goodyear is, but like, and that's not a knock. It's a great podcast, but like, man, he really hates Goodyear, but like, (laughs) Then he should, you know what? He should bring back Hoosier tires. Let's have a tire war. He can qualify on the pole for the 30th Brickyard 400. But like Indy, the problem is going to be the tires are not going to be good enough because I feel like the next gen car has gotten better on like intermediates or like tracks that like I would say Kansas is probably a better race than it was tracks like that. Indy would probably need a good enough tire to where you could run like a second lane and like actually build momentum around like a middle lane. Like because problem is like they're not going to have enough suck down the straightaways to 
do indie style, you know, passes down the inside at the end of the straightaways. Probably not unless they, I mean, the other thing too, that I just kind of remember is like, this was a point I made when the Brickyard went away was like 2019 was not a bad race. Like I, the year or 2018 which which oh god they they all together yeah the one that kozlowski won on the light like a the pass on the last lap that was not a bad race was was that the race that jimmy was blowing up going into the corner that was 17 like 17 was crazy too (laughs) 17 was crazy for a different reason but like (laughs) was what what year did trevor bain hit the end of the pit wall or was that that was clint boyer that was 2017 that was the same year why okay, why do why is 2017 the only brickyard that's sticking out in my I remember the Brad Keselowski Denny Hamlin thing. Yeah, go get it. I go thought back. that was 2020. <laughs> no, that was 18. 2020 was the year that um Kevin Harvick won. That's right. He, he won in 2019 and 20. That's right. Yeah. He won in the uh the the, the and he's a and he's a three-time winner at the brickyard now. Yeah. yeah? Because he yeah. won, he won an 05. Yeah. 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 He won an 03. Uh, 03. Yeah. I know. I, know, uh, I, need, yeah. to, I need to brush I up to, on my brickyard. I, I was at the brickyard probably more years than you did, honestly. Oh, for sure. Almost certainly. Because <laughs> I only went about, well. I've been. Three, I've been to all the road course races, well, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I've, been to, I've been to, I went to 11, 12, and 19. You might have been to more. Well, I went to three in a row. I went to 14, 15, 16. Yeah, they had, you went to the worst ones. Oh, yeah. And they were also <laughs> like so, like literally as hot as the Sahara Desert. I remember the year Kyle Busch won. Like I, you could walk 20 feet. And I was in better shape than I am now. You would walk like 20 feet and like want to pass out. It was that freaking hot. I don't know how like the Grammy pan, you know, the granny panty people with like the Jeff Gordon boxers on. I don't know how like the 80 year old women who were looking for Jeff Gordon's autograph in the, in like little rascal scooters. I don't know how they lived. I, I really don't. I mean, and that's, what's so crazy. What we've seen now with the IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader is that between those two days, you probably have the same size of crowd, but the crowds are completely, you do not see the same face twice. Yeah. On those, they are I mean, I, you noticed that crowds. If you went to the Indy 500, which okay, first the point I was going to make I is did, that I did indeed go to the Indy 500. Yeah, the, well, the first point, the, back to the first point before I go to the next one is it, like 2019, the, whatever year Kozlowski won, like on like the last lap finish, like the Brickyard had good finishes, and I think it was with the high downforce. Package, it was over. It was overtime though, wasn't it? it? Wasn't actually like a legitimate deal. Yeah, though, but like it? that's not like that's not a that's not a concern to people who aren't us. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, don't get me started on the Indy 500. Cause, I finally, cause finally put we that get a race as being bad when it's like overtime and like a bunch <laughs> of bull crap goes down. A lot of fans nowadays will look at that and they'll say, man, that was fantastic. The I, fans, I the NASCAR that. fans would have thought it was the greatest thing ever if if Justin Haley had just not braked to turn one and just stuffed Shane Van Gisbergen into the freaking catch fence. He would, if he would have put him over that, remember that I race that we did with Colton Herta that one time where we all flipping <laughs> over the wall at the Roval. That, that's what people would have loved to see Justin Haley do to Shane Van yeah. Gisbergen. So that Chase Elliott won that race. 
That's that would have been the wet dream NASCAR finish to the Chicago street race. That would have right. been what all the fans would have yeah. come to see. That would have that would have been the finish that the fans came. Sorry, I'm getting talking about the Indy 500 again. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Everybody who was three Miller lights in would have been cheering, bro. And that was, that's all we want at the Indy, the Indy five. Who cares about the other 105 years of history? Nobody cares. The fans are just coming for a finish. That's all two laps out of five. Okay. All right. I'm done. I got it. Got it out of my system. No, I didn't. But, but that, that was <laughs> a funny thing. If you went to the Indy 500 every year and the Brickyard 400, Brickyard 400 crowd was obviously smaller, but it's like, yeah, it, there was like the three or there four. There was more people there than for the road course. There's I like will, the I three will. or four like faces that you'd recognize from May. <laughs> they want May. They want May. If you've never been to the whole month, like there are people every year. You may yep. not know their guy names. With the wheelbarrow, the gun yeah. guy. Yeah, you see him. Yeah, there's there's people that you may not know their names. You might have never met them, but like you you see their face and you're like. It's good to be back. We are back. And <laughs> yeah, especially this year because people, a lot of the, the a lot of the faces we hadn't seen like three years. Oh yeah. Like... But like the the brickyard crowd, the NASCAR fans, like they were not at the Indy five hundred. Like that, and it's crazy. I, yeah. It's crazy that now they were in we Charlotte have, for sure. Now we have two days in a row back to back where you can really notice where. Yeah, the NASCAR <laughs> fans and the IndyCar fans both coming on separate days. Never they're they're a different they're, breed. They're not coming to both, you know. They're not, not coming unlike to the both. crazy people like us who come to both. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. I uh, guess I guess the IndyCar fans, you know, when they go if you go on Saturday and you don't go on Sunday, I will give you props for being smart because on Saturday you do get to see two races. True. Yeah. But the problem is what what happens even then is that people leave after the IndyCar race and people are coming in. Like, that happens. Like, the IndyCar race had a smaller crowd than the Xfinity race, and that's literally because more people showed up to watch the Xfinity race. I think I am getting you. Indy! I think I am getting you in trouble because now you're pointing out that the IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader is just a complete failure. (laughs) Well, but I think here's, here's the good... They've come... They've come to that conclusion. They know that. (laughs) You know what? We're going to enjoy Milwaukee next year or Argentina, you know, whichever one they decide to add. I hope it's Milwaukee or it's both. I would both would be great. Are we going to Argentina? I don't know. I, 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 there's too much smoke to think it's not happening, but I don't know if I want to go to Argentina. That's an awfully, if, if I, man, France was tough as it is. I don't, what do they they speak Spanish in Argentina, yeah, right? I don't know any Spanish, but I have yeah, an Augustine be... Canapino hat, so they'd be nice to us. Well, they'd, okay, they'd yeah. be nice to us. <laughs> well, they might be. I haven't said anything bad about Ar- uh, Augustine Canapino, so uh, hopefully. By the way, in a Zeto Corsa or uh, Automobilista too, they have both of the Argentine tracks that they're looking at racing at. Um, one of them's pretty modern, and the other one's an old Formula One track, which is not a bad track either. Uh, but I can't remember exactly what. Should we do super like, chats before I get in trouble? Yeah. Well, I, I just feel like I feel like with the love of Augustine Canapino, with the love of you know automobilistas, that they're that's Brazilian, isn't it? They're Brazilian, but they it's have. South I mean, American. Yeah. it's South American. It's with South all the American. The love yeah. of automobilista that 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 we have, I feel like we would fit in very well with the Argentinians. I feel like our relations with the Argentinians would be 
very great and i would love to go to argentina for i would just wear a lot of green uh <laughs> if the tourism board would like to pay like let's no you uh, Michelle wear the... and the argentinian tourism board bring david land there we'll take it to the top i think i think the only way that we probably anger them is if we call it soccer instead of football but that's, i already called i called that's it what football you have to in... wear you have to wear what? the the Argentinian jersey, like the, oh like yeah, the yeah, no card. football kit, kit. It's called kit, oh, not oh. jersey. It's a kit. <laughs> it's kit. It's foot football kit. And yeah. by the way, every you single Augustine Canapino reference I made in May because he was driving a football kitted out car, I called it football. So the Argentinians that were watching, and I put that car in the thumbnail, so I know all you Argentinians watched that freaking starting grid. I said football kit i may have accidentally put Catherine leg in a chevy but i <laughs> football kit right which i did correct by the way the next time we showed the starting grid in the video so i did pick up on the one mistake well i also said that uh that illinois born and bred ed carpenter was hoosier born and bred but those were like the oh and i got danica i forgot danica ran the brickyard or sorry the daytona 500 and the indy 500 in the same year i gave that credit to kurt bush so shout out to danica patrick as if she needs a shout out. Uh, all right, let's look at the super chats for today. There's a lot of them, naturally. Uh, Henry Callahan was uh, on pole position today. He says SVG wins on debut. NASCAR needs to go to Surfers Paradise and double header with IndyCar. I take back everything I said about street courses, oversaturation in NASCAR. If it means we get Surfers Paradise back, I'm all for it. Uh, I understand that the supercars race at Surfers Paradise, but God bless America. I would love the Indy cars to go back to Surfers Paradise. I don't know if I would like the 18-hour plane ride, but uh, I would definitely make an effort to go. Well, we'd have to get over it because, I mean, we're whether you like it or not, Australia is going to happen. You know, we're we're gonna we're gonna go to Bathurst or something. It's not we're not gonna live the rest of our lives and not go to Australia. <sighs> yeah, I would <laughs> like to go to Bathurst. I. I'm I'm really before we get back to super chats. I'm really struggling right now because the Nurburgring 24 hours it doesn't clash with the Indy 500 this year or mm -hmm. next year. Oh no! Oh, that was a thing this year. That was, that a, was thing. a thing. Yeah. Story time. The Nurburgring 24 was happening on qualifying weekend this year, yeah. and we got back and it was like 11. And I turned it on David's TV, and then I went back. Uh, to go on the phone and i came back and david's just enthralled with this race yeah. and he said screw you because i have to go to bed <laughs> and any other weekend i would be having so much fun right now <laughs> yeah that was true i was so tired i was like falling asleep on my chair but i was i was watching this nurburgring 24 hours and and that race just looks so it's so pure it's so it's <laughs> so pure and it's such like a nerd race yeah. I'm just sitting like, there going, they have like, they, they're running GT3 cars, which are allegedly BOP, but they have an open tire formula. You can just bring whatever tires you want, run on. I'm just sitting there just like in Nirvana, just going, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> There's an Opal out there. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> then the Opal uh, crash. I think the Opal crash. No, it was, was like other, two it was other, the Skoda. It was, there like, was like two Skoda. other crashes you told me that about and um, <clears throat> a safety truck broke down. So yeah, Nurburgring's all types of uh yeah, the the Nurburgring, by the way, just again to to strengthen our international relationships. If there are any Germans watching, for the love of God, try to like 
petition your local government to like have that race in June, like the week before Lamar, that would work out just like perfectly for everybody. Like you could do Indy, Nurburgring, and Lamar three weeks in a row. Like, come on, guys. Like, help me out a little bit here. Help me out. Um, let's actually try to finish the super chat. That was that was super chat number one. Uh, Taurus, who absolutely uh, was making it rain in the Super Chats today, said, Cub made a splash in Chicago by racing in a place that's traditionally not associated with them. Is that something even IndyCar is capable of doing now? Uh, they tried with Boston. Yeah, bo- yeah they tried. Yeah, yeah they <laughs> did try with Boston. I mean, they've, they've made efforts. Argentina would fit that bill. Argentina, like, let's be honest. I don't know if it would make a an impression here, but it would probably make an impression in Argentina. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I know they've gone to Argentina before. They actually ran an oval track in Argentina, if you can believe it. But uh, I I don't know. I, don't I hope Argentina, back, like, once again, I hope Argentina happens. Because I will tell you, no, Milwaukee, I can drive to. I can't drive to Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> but let me, like, they came out in the second weekend of May, like the qualifying weekend. The Augustine Canapino diecast jerseys, sizes small through large, gone. Sold out. See ya. Never going to see you again. So oh, they'll, make, they'll make more. So they are, he is popular. Putting that out there. Uh, yeah, oh, definitely. Augustine Canapino is absolutely popular. That's why everybody kind of figured out the YouTube meta there for a couple of uh, early weeks where you just put Augustine Canapino in the thumbnail and you get 30,000 views. Um, Colbert says, uh, which is kind of funny because I'm pretty sure that's supposed to say Colbert like Stephen Colbert. So very clever Colbert. Uh, Going to be crazy when the Pacers win it all, the Colts win it all, and Connor Daly wins the Indy 500 next year. <laughs> from your from your mouth to God's ears, Colbert. <laughs> uh, actually, you know what? I, I'll be honest. As much as I, and I and I am becoming, you know, I, I fell out of love with the Pacers for a little while. I'm beca- I'm trying to get back into the Pacers, but I will say this: the Pacers, like going for a a championship, is the worst thing that could happen to the Indy 500 because the stupid NBA playoffs go on for way too long. And if the Pacers are making a legitimate love run, bye-bye qualifying crowd, maybe bye-bye infield Indy 500 crowd, because everybody's going to be glued to their TV watching the Pacers. So as much as I like the Pacers and want them to succeed, uh, it hurts the Indy 500. So sorry. The Colts, on the other hand, freaking go for it. Good luck. Now, this being said, (laughs) I will say this, and and this is a very interesting point that I want to make and I've always wanted to make, and I guess I'll say it here and maybe in another video someday, is that I I think it's very interesting that the IndyCar split and the Peyton Manning era of the NFL were very, very closely aligned in Indianapolis. And I honestly wonder how much of a a negative impact Peyton Manning's Colts had on IndyCar fandom in the city of Indianapolis. That's just a thought I've always had. You know, if you have the sports fandom kind of get upsetty spaghetti at something and then something else comes along that really i mean you can't even imagine i mean they almost called school off on colts play like the day after colts playoff games it was so like such a cultural thing to watch the colts in the peyton manning era 
uh, here in here in Indy. So I, I've always been curious about that because those two eras were so closely aligned that I, I wonder how much the 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 Colts being good took away from IndyCar fandom. I've always been interested in that. Taurus says, uh, actually hits us with a couple super chats, says, Dave, if one wanted to go to an endurance race for the first time, which is more accessible, Rolex 24, Petit Le Mans, or Steve Bring 12 Hours? Um, so I've been to all three. I've been to all three as a fan, and I've been to all three as media. I would say... I would say you probably have the most fun at Petit Le Mans. Yeah. I think. I thought you were probably going to say Sebring, honestly. No, it's not accessible. Sebring's the one I've never been to, but Petit Le Mans. I've been to the Rolex. I've been to Watkins Glen. I've been to Petit. Petit is my favorite endurance race, like, period. I wish it was a 20. I wish Petit was a 24. I wish Petit just went on forever. I love Petit Le Mans. Well, but it is. I this listen. I was thinking about Petit. I was hoping Petit. <laughs> I was hoping about. He's not Petit gonna let me would, answer this question, by the way. Oh, we'll get. I'll oh, we'll answer oh, it now. No, no, no. Go ahead and finish it. Go ahead. I was thinking about Petit. This is hopefully gonna help with the the question, by the way. Uh, I I was hoping that Petit was gonna get brought up in this episode because I remembered that <laughs> our we had an idea last year. Do you remember I, our idea last year to do a Petit this year? Uh oh, is it gonna get me in trouble? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Because we'd really no. book in the end of season with that. <laughs> no, no. Remember, remember when uh, you went there and camped in a tent? Yeah, that that wasn't as fun as you think it would be. <laughs> yeah. No, we 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 definitely need to go to Petit one of these years and camp. I would I would do the RV. I've done an RV once at Petit, and I've done a tent at Petit. And the year I did a tent, it was it was 2013. It was last ALMS race. It was so freaking cold, and it Didn't rained. It rain? Yeah, it was yeah. cold, and it rained. And while the the race itself was amazing, and I love the, I mean, oh, I like, I I do love current IMSA. I do love. I am indeed a race fan, but the ALMS, oh, that that just that just did it for me. I love that. So to answer the question, accessibility, it's Petit Le Mans. It's close to big cities and enough lodging. Rolex 24 is accessible from a lodging perspective, but it's a there a 24-hour race. I mean, I even struggled at Le Mans to pay attention, stay awake, all those things during Le Mans. And I was absolutely, you know, 100% committed to that race. Daytona is a tough one because it's 24 hours and if you can if you can get a hotel room close to the track, the Rolex isn't bad, but the big problem with Daytona in the road course is sight lines. That's a similar problem at Sebring, not nearly as bad as at Daytona, but the big problem with Sebring is you're going to have a tough time finding lodging, meaning hotels or, yeah. or Airbnbs. That's the the biggest problem with Sebring. It is out in the middle of the BFE. And so while I love Sebring, God bless America, I'm so disappointed that weck is not coming back with imsa what a great event that was the super sebring uh, i guess we'll have to catch him in coda and then indianapolis two years from now but um i i think uh i i still think i love sebring but like in terms of accessibility in terms of a guaranteed good first experience at a sports car race petit le mans every day of the week in my what opinion. do you what do you mean about sight lines at daytona uh i don't think it, it's not a road course it's a road. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, 
I would Are say you really going to argue with me that Road Atlanta doesn't have better no, views? Okay. I was just, <laughs> you, it was just the the I, I agree with you a thousand percent. Road Atlanta's okay. the okay. one, but like Daytona, like the thing about Daytona that reaches out to me is, I guess, like your point, like it's not the like the the best view of a racetrack. But what I appreciate about Daytona is like I can go up in the grandstands on the outside and see the entire track. Like it's the only like endurance race. And like, I guess it's not really a road course, but it's the only place I can just go somewhere and just see literally the entire infield road course. Anything happens. I can see it. Like, I think that's, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, I don't, but it's like, if I want to go up and get close to the cars, I can go walk around the infield and do my thing. And, you know, see the banking and see all those things. But then, you know, when I get a little, you know, it's middle of the night, I just go in the middle of the grandstands and there's the entire track for me that I can just kind of sit at and relax. I I like the Rolex. I love the Rolex. I don't, I don't have a problem with the Rolex, but like, it's not a proper road course. And that's what makes it unique as an event. But if, if you want the best experience, like petite, like petite's, yeah. Second to none from, from my perspective. And it's just long, it's just long enough, but just short enough that a, a casual sports car fan can get the experience, but not be like overwhelmed. Like 10 hours is like the perfect length for like I wish a it was, casual. I wish it was longer, man. <laughs> I mean, I do too. I, I, you know what? I, I just I want wish that race. Would, I wish they'd go back to the thousand mile distance. It used to the the race distance used to be a thousand miles or ten hours, whichever came first. Now it's just ten hours. They changed it when they got a watch sponsor a couple of years ago. When it was the Tudor Sports Car Championship, the watch company was like, "Well, we need to have all the races be timed." So they went away from a distance race. I would like to see them go back to a distance race because I thought it was kind of cool to have the history books to see how quickly. Through the years, sports car racing would progress and how quickly you could finish a thousand miles. But, you know, I, we can't have nice things. Um, uh, Taurus also says, following in Gainbridge's footsteps, will BitNile become the official cryptocurrency and exchange of IMS? Uh, is there an official crypto coin or well, exchange? It could be. I guess <laughs> they, that's the they point. They might be right now. <laughs> you, you know what? Oh, God. This, this will get me in trouble. I'm going to be very careful about how I say this. But I was thinking about this today because I was filling up my gas tank and I was filling up with Shell Fuel, which is the official fuel supplier of IndyCar. And I was thinking to myself, they won the Indy 500 this year as a sponsor. And I'm looking around this gas station going, there's no Joseph Newgarden like anything anywhere at this gas station in, in Indiana. When the shell car won the Indy 500 for the first time ever. And I understand like that doesn't really happen anymore, but I think a big part of that is like, why would shell have to brag? Any car is a shell car now in the Indy 500 because there isn't a competitor against them. I wonder what the exclusive deals sometimes does that. Does that not encourage competition outside, not just inside racing, but outside of racing, meaning like, a willingness to promote, hey, the shell car won the freaking Indy 500 this year. That's kind of a big deal. I don't know. Yeah. That's a thought. It's a thought that cool. went through my head today. Because it's like there's no reason to, because they don't, like, Mobile One's not an Indy car. So why does Shell have to rub it in their face? You know? 
Yeah. Why do they have to? Why do they have to go and make it known that they beat the other oils? Because there's not another car. Just, not another not. sponsoring. Uh, and they're not allowed to. They're literally not allowed to. You can't just bring Mobile One in if you wanted to. They wouldn't allow it. So, yeah, that's that's a little disappointing. But it's just the way of the world now, I guess. Uh, and to, to, so to answer your question, uh, BitNile could very well be the official crypto coin of IMS right now. I don't know. Because if they were the exclusive partner, they wouldn't promote it. <laughs> yeah. Napa Racing fan. Oh, sorry. Will uh, Yearbanks says, uh, IndyCar should do a Daytona road course night race on July 4th. That will never happen. Not because IndyCars can't go to Daytona or even the, that Daytona wouldn't let them ha- do that, but a Daytona IndyCar race on July 4th competing against the NASCAR Chicago race, no way in hell NASCAR would ever allow that to ha- No freaking way. Zero chance. Zero chance. Do you think IndyCars could happen at Daytona? I know that's like an age-old question. I think they could. They probably have to add like another something on the back straight. No, they'd be all right. I think they'd be all right on the ba- on the back straight. I think I they'd be probably worried. run the they, they they'd slow them down before they get to the trioval though. They they'd add that chicane back. I would be wor- more worried about how much speed those cars. Well, I guess they do it in IMSA, but it's different in open wheels where cars can go flying easier and how fastly they would go through the bus stop. Oh, uh, they would go through the bus stop fast, wouldn't they? Yeah. See, yeah. I was that's what I'm saying. They probably had like something like a few they they have enough space there on the back straight of Daytona though. They could add like a cool set of corners on the inside there or something. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I cuz when they tested there, they were running cars that were so slow on road courses. I don't know. I, I It almost would be more effort than it's worth to do it. And again, I think NASCAR wouldn't... Like, NASCAR's smart enough that they wouldn't let IndyCar... I think the only way that was going to happen was in a split scenario. Like, they would have let the IRL race there and had... I think maybe that was part of the reason why they let them do that test in 07, 06 and 07, was because Champ Car was so weak, maybe, maybe uh, NASCAR wanted to try to... Uh, accelerate uh, one of those series dying. Uh, I mean, I think that's a possibility. So let's say they don't get back together in 08. Maybe a Daytona race does happen in 08. Uh, if, if champ car is still around, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about where that would have ended up going, but I think, I think a big mistake, honestly, for IndyCar racing was the fact that they let the Brickyard 400 happen in the first place, because I think that legitimized NASCAR to open wheel fans and then the minute they split, because in, in a lot of ways, op- the open wheel split was funded by the Brickyard 400. All of a sudden, the Indy 500 takes a massive dive in uh, credibility, and the Brickyard 400 is already swooping in there. And if you don't like the Brickyard, well, hey, Formula One's coming in four years. Um, yeah, it was it. So, so not saying that that's the same scenario for an IndyCar race at Daytona, but like, I just don't think NASCAR would let that happen, especially now. Um, I think it's too, it's too legitimate of a competitor at this point. That's my opinion. But of course, IndyCar racing, let NASCAR race there at the height of IndyCar. And then we saw how that goes. So I don't know, maybe that's just my take. Could be a bad take. 
Uh, Napa Racing Fan 927 says, how will Peacock Indy Toronto do for viewership? Well, it ain't going to be good. Um, I should have asked you that to get you in trouble. Well, I mean, I I don't think you're speaking. I don't think it's like, like, what do you expect? What do you, I think it was like, the number was like 40 or 50,000 last year. Is that, is that bad? I don't know. I, I like it when I get 50,000 views on YouTube, but for, for an IndyCar race where you've got literally probably a hundred million dollars of, of total spend to do, uh, to put on a race like the Indy Toronto uh, between the teams and the, the city and, and Green Savory and the series, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how yeah. to, and, and looking forward to the, you know, the streaming future of racing, because that's a thing that's going to happen, whether we like it or not. Um, how does that change the sport? I mean, what's a normal TV rating? A little under a million, a million? I would say about, if it's on NBC, it's a million, million one, million two, generally yeah. speaking. So 50,000 versus a normal on yeah. NBC million. Yeah. Yeah, when you put it that way, it, it doesn't sound very good, does it? Um, but I would say that, too, like when you hear like I I struggle sometimes to believe TV numbers uh, because I even when you even the TV rating aggregators will tell you, like there are peaks and valleys to how many people are actually watching at one given time. In, in a in a tv rating uh scenario so like when when you hear that four and a half million people watched chicago how many of those four and a half billion watched the entire race you know and how many people were invested in in the race or how many people just fell asleep to the golf that was on before <laughs> you know what i mean like like that's that's the tough thing about tv ratings is that they're not calculated like we do have them have a lot of analytics on the internet. You know, you can look at a tweet and know exactly how many people have looked at that. You can look at a YouTube video and know exactly how many people have looked. You don't need Nielsen to tell you how many people have watched a David Land video. You don't need Nielsen to tell you how many people have watched Formula One highlights, you know? So like the, the, the it's harder to hide on the internet. And what streaming does, it allows you to at least hide how many people have watched it if you control the proprietary platform. And maybe that's why we don't see races as many like major races streaming free here on YouTube, because you're totally exposed to how many people actually decided to tune in and watch your race. I don't know. That's a, just a thought. <laughs> Let's actually try to finish the super chats because we're still getting so many of these, uh, which we appreciate by the way, I'm not complaining about it, but I do want to try to get through them. Uh, that's in the chat. Uh, my high oh, spending. You lost your fan. Uh, my fan went away. It is actually getting kind of toasty in here, so I'll fan myself. Uh, my high spending suggestion for Mid Ohio is to bank a couple of different turns, a la Zandvoort. Oh, my battery died in my live thing. Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, yeah. What do you think about that, Kyle? <laughs> Miss Mister Mid Ohio. Uh, <clears throat> like which ones? I mean, a lot of them are really tight. Where if you do that, it'd be tough. I mean, maybe you could do that 
in like the final corner and just cut the carousel to where you come out of Thunder Valley and then it just swoops in and then turn one is just high speed. Maybe turn one would be a passing zone at that point. I don't know. But you'd totally ruin the carousel and Thunder Valley. Like, but I guess it's just tough. To, what like I don't have the answer because anything that I say, I'm just going to go back on it because I love everything about that track, you know? So if the, it's like, it's like ripping the bandaid off. I'd rather them just rip the bandaid in front of me rather than me come up with a solution that I'm just going to hate because I love that track. But I just, I think something needs to happen. Like there's one thing, there's just something you can do it without changing turns two or turn four, but there's yeah, something. You just, you just run it at Cleveland. Uh, a quick note uh, for the end of the stream, and yes, I did hear this rumor. Uh, I guess we can talk about it uh, since since it's being brought up. Uh, New Track Record, which is a Twitter account, uh, I believe it's a podcast as well, says that Michael Shank Racing will run Tom Bloomquist and a current Ganassi driver as their two full-time drivers with Elio driving the 500 next year. So, uh, okay. Uh so I, I've definitely heard Elio. There's some things I can't say. The the thing that I, I do know is that Elio uh, will be driving the 500 next year in a third car for Shank. I believe that's for sure going to happen. Um, I was surprised. I mean, people had told me that it was going to happen, but I didn't believe them, and I should have. So whoever told me that, and you know who you are, uh, <laughs> eat your cake. Uh, said, uh, told me that Pagano was not coming back, which I was a bit surprised <clears throat> to hear that. But that rumor would seem to suggest that that is true. Um, and the longstanding rumor as well has been that Tom Bloomquist would drive one of the Indy cars uh, for Meyer Shank Racing. In fact, there was some speculation for a little while that he would run a third car this year at some point for Meyer Shank Racing. Uh, obviously, I'm beating around the bush on something, which is the current Ganassi driver as one of the two full-time drivers. Uh, I'll put it this way. I don't think it's Alex Pillow or Scott Dixon. So <laughs> let's, let's fill in the blanks. Who do we think that probably is? Um, I would say uh, Meyer Shank racing would look pretty Swedish in that oh. situation. Well, at but, those odds, if it's not Pillow or Dixon, then his name's Marcus. I, I think that's a good way of saying it. <laughs> I think that's a good way of saying it. Uh, now, now here's the thing about Marcus Erickson is that he's had, I believe. But what if it's Marcus also, Armstrong? Well, it could be Marcus Armstrong. I'm just saying, you know, Marcus Armstrong, <laughs> he's a rookie and he's looked pretty good at times. You know, Meyer Shank Racing could be looking to get young. But uh, all I know is that Marcus Armstrong sure does look like somebody who Chip Ganassi wants to keep on his team. And uh, Marcus Erickson, we've heard perhaps uh, is not going to stay there. And um, I do know that that Michael Andretti has been curious, very, very curious about Marcus Erickson, um, possibly even to the point of offering him something. Um, and even if he couldn't end up on the Andretti team, it would make some sense if he went to Shank because that would put him in the Andretti family and also key, keep him in a Honda, which I... In my opinion, again, I this is something that I'm purely speculating on. But generally speaking, when we look at Honda drivers, when a driver wins an Indy 500 for Honda, they're pretty much Honda wants to keep them forever. 
Now they didn't, they weren't able to keep Alexander Rossi, but generally speaking, you win an, an Indy 500 in a Honda, Honda wants you forever. So I would generally think that this would be a favorable solution if Marcus Erickson did end up at Meyer Shank Racing, because then he would also be in a Honda and wouldn't be going to like McLaren and driving a Chevy, which by the way, I think a McLaren, you know, I know Zach Brown made some, made some comments about potentially hiring Marcus Erickson away from, from Aero McLaren, but uh, looking at that team, they're not going to expand to a fourth car and the third seat maybe would be Alex Pillow, maybe not. And if not, you know, at some point, has Felix Rosenquist earned the ability to stay again? He's looked pretty strong this year. Sure, he's had some bad luck. Some of that has been self-inflicted, but we know the team around him loves him. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's going to be an interesting, interesting. So I'll tell you this about silly season with IndyCar is I think there's going to be less, more people in places that we have not seen them before than people that are returning to seats that we've seen them in previously next year. I don't know. It's going to get silly. Oh, it's going to be silly. Uh, Alex Ibarra, 25, says, Shano good. Oh, thank you for the $2. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, Napa Racing fan says, uh, Milwaukee 2024 return. Maybe, probably. Replaces an Iowa race, question mark. I would say no. If it replaced a race, it would likely replace the second Indy road course. My humble opinion. And that's all the super chats. We got through it. We got through it. <laughs> we got through uh, this in under three hours. That's incredible. I'm surprised that we did that because I thought this was going to be like a four, a four hour stream. And we somehow got it through. But... As you guys know, you can find the podcast on Apple and Spotify and Google and all those all your favorite podcasting platforms. So I I actually remember to plug it this time. I hope I'll remember to plug it next time. Thanks everybody for sticking around. We have still 284 people watching on what is a hol I guess a holiday uh night here on July 3rd. Happy July 4th to everybody who celebrates here in the United States. Uh, looking forward to, uh, well, I don't know if it's going to be a day off for me, but I'm looking forward to hearing my entire neighborhood get blown up for the next uh, two hour, two days. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Kyle? I think if you live in the UK, enjoy going to work tomorrow, baby. <laughs> What's a kilometer? <laughs> Oh, geez. We have just, we have caused so many international instances. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, all the Parisians will hate us. Argentinians, the Germans. No, the uh, Argentinas. Are, we're, the Argentinas? Good. I said Argentinians. Tinians. Tinians. Okay, now they're going to be mad at us. We, we, had mad. Good, we had good relations. Now they're, they're mad. Argentinians. Man. Well, uh, troubles in international waters, I guess. Trouble. <laughs> we got a car in the wall. <laughs> going off the rails by the way if you ever if you ever wondered what happens i, I guess i'll bow tie everything to go back to the month of may for just a second <laughs> you ever wonder what happens at the end of the month of may our brains just get broken and we just start like talking like dale jr and talking like other 
famous celebrities in the racing community. We hit the gritty all over the house. We say, you're out of here. I mean, it is our, our like lack of sleep deprivation in, in May leads to some of, I, I wish we could film it, but unfortunately Twitter probably wouldn't like it. So we can't, <laughs> but it would, it would be, it would make for a great like MTV vlog someday yeah. of the, uh, of the uh, the the absolute chaos that is the uh, sleep deprivation of the month of May. So we all become got, oh. we all become pretty good at impersonating Dave Calabro. I'll, I'll <laughs> say that too. I'll put that out there. I I think, <laughs> I I think our I think our impressions our impression we're very we're pretty decent at impressions. I think. Oh yeah. I don't know. We we we, we practice them too much. That's yeah. the problem. Before we get into any more trouble today, thank you guys all for watching. We appreciate your viewership, and we will see you in the next podcast.